way. Yeah, man, man, man. All out of options, nothing to choose. I pissed out on Netflix, I'm sick of the news. I'd sign up to Sky, but I don't want to pay. I've been on furlough since May. <laughs> now I'll go and listen to a company at a number 19 but George we're nearly halfway it is well anyway it is me your imitable host Mr Andy Sledge and my co-host and partner in crime and steak purchaser extraordinaire once (laughs) in the very near future Mr George Bradley George how on earth are you today yeah, pretty good after the football. I've, I've got no hangover because uh, I had a blood test today, so I was alcohol-free yesterday because they, they don't like alcohol in the blood. It messes up all the reading. So uh, I had to sit with my bottle of Coca-Cola watching uh, watching the match last night. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know me, I am teetotal myself, so I, um, yeah. I did the same. Well, I was sitting there watching the match, and then uh, as soon as the game finished, I went boxing training straight afterwards, and the gym was... So the gym was suspiciously quiet, which is perfect. <laughs> perfect. So, yeah. um, yes, I quite enjoyed that. So, yes, last night um, was the uh, England-Germany game, and England won 2-0. What an absolute fantastic yeah. result. I mean, we started yeah. off looking a bit shit, um, but we, yeah. you know, we pulled it out of the bag in the end. But they've kept yeah. it throughout the whole tournament. And... Um, yeah. What have we got? Oh, and, now, and now we're not going to hear the end of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and uh, there's a couple of the uh, the better teams have already gone out. So, you know, we've actually, you know, we, you know, dare I say it, we have half a chance. I mean, we, yeah, you know, yeah. we will indeed be, you know, regretting that, uh, regretting that this time next week. But we shall see. So, yeah. so apart from football and blood tests, anything exciting that has been up for you in the last week, young George? No, no. Well, the good news is, you know, I uh, I had my blackjack money and I told you I put half of it, gave it back to them. Well, I, yeah. I managed to recoup all that again. So I'm back to my uh, my, my, my original uh, winnings. So, all uh, oh, right. Yeah. So extra big so, stakes. Extra big stakes. So the, the, stake, the stake fund is up to uh, up to full capacity. Tremendous. <laughs> So, yes, so young George is, uh, so just so our, 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 our readers, I keep saying fucking readers, I don't know where I get that from. So, yes, our listeners and viewers, um, we are having another podcast day out tomorrow. So George is heading down to Reading and we are going to uh, go for a nice fat steak. We'll more than likely be paying a little visit to our sponsors at Top Gun Tattooing. Yeah, yeah. But don't forget, George. We're going to have our trial run tomorrow. You got your arm ready? You got your arm ready? Yeah, so tomorrow we are going to have our trial run. 
and you will be getting your Neville and Lottie temporary tattoo. Is that the actual size of it? It looks massive. Yeah, oh, OK. Right, right. All yeah. right. Oh. So you were holding it close to the camera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, was, like... I was holding it right up to the... Right. It, right it looked up. bigger than my head, so I thought, no. oh, God. No, no, no. There you go. Right. So, yes. Yeah, so tomorrow, we will. We, what we'll do is we'll get young Zach to apply your temporary tattoo, and uh, we, yeah. can, uh, we can show... We can show all of our, our listeners um, that uh, of what they can uh, what they can get if they decide. So, um, I myself again, pretty not, not too much. Again, desperately trying to diet, hitting the gym. Um, had a, a fantastic weekend myself, actually. Um, and wow. oh, there my coffee machine's making that noise again. Oh, not stop. And um, yeah, had a fantastic weekend myself. So um, I um, uh, spent the weekend uh, in uh, someone's company. It was absolutely amazing. And I'm very much... Uh, very, you very can film that and be some uh, lunch conversation tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I shall uh, fill you in on the gory details. But yes, um, it, was a, it was a very pleasant weekend. And, um, and then, yes, and um, we have something extremely special in this week's episode, George. Yeah. So, very, very soon, we are going to cut to our interview with none other than one of the writers of our Be The Zane Pet and the writer of today's episode, one of yeah. the favourite episodes of all time, Mr. Stan yeah. Hay. Hey. So, Stan here is a television writer, and he wrote six episodes of Our Readers in Pet. He wrote two in season one and four in season two. And Stan was kind enough to answer the call via social media. And he spent uh, some of his valuable time with me uh, last week. Um, we discussed his uh, career, but obviously, you know, focusing on Our Readers in Pet. So, we are going to cut to that any second now. Um, we have a couple of very famous uh, cameos in today's episode. And uh, yeah, it is, I personally think um, there are some classic one-liners in this episode. Yeah. Some real, <laughs> real good, real, real good comedy one-liners. And, um, you know, it again progresses through the story that has been going, um, you know, throughout this throughout this season. So yeah, I mean, just yeah. and, and I mean, uh, you know, the the, the um, so the episode um, we are covering is season two, episode six, which is called Cowboys. So the the the, the theme Cowboys um, continues throughout the entire episode in various different guises. <laughs> so yeah. obviously. We find that the plumber, Harry Blackburn, is a uh, country and western fan, takes them to a cowboy bar. And You'd never guess looking at his car, would you? No, definitely not. And they are, you know, they, they are accusing it of being a cowboy job. And uh, yeah, so we're going to make lots of references to cowboys throughout this episode. So before we get on with the juicy stuff, as always, if there is anybody out there listening, watching, who wants to offer us any kind of feedback, uh, constructive criticism, guidance, things we've missed, 
or straight up abuse for me and young George, please, yeah. please, please get in contact with us via email, which is again at gmail.com. That's again at gmail.com. Please follow us on all forms of social media. Our Instagram is at again podcast. That's Instagram at again podcast. Our Twitter is at Auf again. That's our Twitter is at Auf again. Um, please do like and share our Facebook page, which is Auf Wiedersehen again podcast. And remember, please do invite your friends to like the page. So if you go to the top of the page and scroll along, there's a different tabs. One of them says community, go to community and then click invite friends and then click invite all friends. And then that will do us a massive favor. Um, please do subscribe to our YouTube channel, Alvidazian Again Podcast. So go on to YouTube, search Alvidazian Again Podcast, click subscribe and click that bell. And that will alert you to any new episodes. Um, if you prefer just to listen in the car or you think that me and George are the ugliest men walking the planet, then please feel free just to listen on audio, which is on all good podcast platforms, Spotify, iTunes, Anchor, Google, Breaker, and many, many more. And our new episodes are released every Friday at 10 a.m. And as always, our music is composed and performed by the guitar man, Mr. Lee Dosky. So please, please, please do like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And... As always, and we will be visiting them tomorrow in Reading, our sponsor, Top Gun Tattooing of number 12, the Harris Arcade in Reading. Their website is topguntattoo.co.uk. Their telephone number is audible 189-968-667. And as always, we have our two fantastic offers. Offer number one, you can get yourself a 20% discount off any tattoo with Zach by quoting the code's words, Hadaway and shite man. So if you contact Zach by either telephone or in person and say, Zach, you're, I'm an avid listener of our Be The Zane Again podcast. I want my 20% discount, Hadaway and shite man. And you will be given a 20% discount of any tattoo. But also the world beating offer that is only possible by listening to this podcast is that you are entitled to a free tattoo. Yes, a free tattoo for every single listener. Terms and conditions apply. And what are those terms and conditions I hear you say? Well, very, very simply, you must get yourself a Neville and Lottie tattoo, but not only a Neville and Lottie tattoo, not a fake one like this, a real one. <laughs> and if you go and get yourself a Neville and Lottie tattoo, we will pay for it, film it, take pictures, etc., etc. So a free Neville and Lottie tattoo for every single listener. And remember, we are in the midst of our new giveaway competition. So our giveaway competition, I don't think I actually put up um, the, uh, the the posts on the social media. I will remember to do that last week. But like I say, I was a little bit busy last weekend. So I, um, 
I am uh, will be putting up the posts. And in order to win this fantastic original signed picture copy um, of the cast in the Barley Mall, all you need to do is you need to go to any of our social media platforms, uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. On these pages, there will be a competition giveaway post. What you need to do is you need to follow us on the social media channel. You need to like the post. You need to tag three friends in the comment section and you need to share the post. So on Facebook, share it to your timeline, on Twitter, retweet it, and on uh, uh, Instagram, you need to share the post to your timeline, uh, sorry, to your story and tag us in the post. So if you want to be in with a chance to winning this fantastic original signed picture copy, then please go and fulfill your obligations via the social media channels. So, like I said, George, episode 19, it is my understanding that next next week we will be halfway because there are yeah, four yeah. episodes. Halfway, George, that's a level of commitment. That's a level of commitment you and I have never yeah. seen before. <laughs> I'm absolutely amazed. So, before we actually get on with the episode, what we would now like to do is to cut to our very, very special section. And I would like our listeners and viewers to tune in, perk up your ears, peel your eyes, and welcome to the podcast, the writer of today's episode and uh, many other episodes of Our Beaters in Pet. Let's hear it for Mr. Stan here. And so to our viewers and listeners of Our Beaters in Again podcast, we have a very, very special guest, and I'd like you all to welcome to the podcast one of the writers from the show, Mr. Stan here. Stan, how the devil are you, my friend? I'm um, not so bad, not so bad. Just uh, enjoying the freezing cold weather outside, you know. Yeah, where, where, whereabouts are you based, mate? Uh, down in Wiltshire, Darkest Wiltshire. No. All right, yeah, you're not too far away from me, so I'm, I'm in Reading. Reading? Oh, that's not yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Good stuff. So, look, I'm, I'm really, really pleased... Um, to be able to, uh, you know, get a get a quick word with you. You are, um, well, you're actually the third person involved in the show who's responded to my um, persistent uh, calls out on social media for guests. Um, we've, yeah. got a, we've got a couple of uh, cast, like sort of more minor cast members um, who are lined up for series three, um, but I haven't managed to get anybody uh, any of the major cast members yet, but we're hoping that uh, obviously the, the more sort of traction uh, that we get within the podcast, obviously, you know, we're growing on a weekly basis and getting yeah. more, more viewers, that, you know, the more popular we get, hopefully we might, uh, we might be able to, uh, we might be able to get, uh, get a few more. Um, so obviously yourself um, had a little, had a little bit of, um, had a little bit of a look on IMDb this morning at some of your credits uh, outside of our Zane Pet. Um, but what? Are, so, so first things first. Are you retired now? Are you? Are you? Are you? Are you currently working at the moment? No, I am working. I'm not retired. You never, you never retire, writers, unless you're really rich, you know, which I'm not. So, so what? What, what are you? Very what, far what, from. What are you doing at the moment, mate? Um, I'm working on three ideas. One's a two of which I've built the script for. One is about a bunch of lads who live in inner city Bristol who have a winner bet on uh, the scoop sticks and decide to buy a horse. 
and become and so they become the first black people ever seen on a British race course. Oh, that's the idea. Oh, good stuff. Well, I can see. Is that so behind you? There's a picture there. It's a little bit blurry. Is that a picture of the seven there behind you, like on your bookshelf? Where's that? If you turn to your other side, on the other side, there's a there's a there that yeah. No, that's an Alfie's impact card. Is that an Alfie's Look at that. There we go. So you've got it all there. Good stuff. You, so, you know the you know the people from the the the, work, the other side, the, uh, the official site. Yeah. Yeah, they sell all kinds of stuff like this. Yeah, yeah. yeah I actually, well, believe it or not, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> so one of our one of our sponsor our sponsor on the podcast is uh, a tattoo shop, and. Um, what I've done is I've, I've, I've said to all of our listeners that if anybody wants to go and get themselves a Neville and Lottie tattoo, that we will actually pay for it and they can get it for free. And yeah. what I did is I went on the I went on the official site and I bought some stick on Neville and Lottie tattoos. So my uh, friend and co-host, George, who I've been trying to persuade to get one, we're going to see how he gets on with the uh, with the fake tattoo first before we try and get him on the real one. Was he going to put it? Well, look, I mean, I've, I've already got tattoos. So the, the thing about it is, is um, uh, that's my excuse. Yeah, that's my excuse for not getting one because I've already got tattoos covering my arms. So um, obviously on your IMDB, um, it says yeah. your uh, your first credit was in 1978. And um, right. so uh, unfortunately, I would, well, me personally, I was born towards the end of 76. So there was a few things that uh, there was a few things that were on there that sort of maybe is a little bit before my time. Um, yeah. However, there was a, a couple of things that um, I did look into, and um, there was a, a bit of a tenuous connection. So as I just said to you, I was I'm based in Reading, and you uh, you um, created not only wrote but created the show The Manageress. Yeah. Now you filmed at Reading. Yeah, exactly. Well, that was what that was what it was. So I had a look into it, and on IMDb, it said that you filmed that at the old Reading Ground at Elm Park. So I would, right, yeah. I would assume as the creator, you probably spent a bit of time there then. Yeah, on location. Yeah, the, most of the home matches were shot there because um, it was. You probably remember it was pretty decrepit, and also they had a, a female chief executive at the time, Annie Bassett, who was. Supporting the idea of this story about a woman manager, you know, so yeah. she gave permission for us to film there, and then we, we quite it was, it was a lot easier to get um, extras to be supporters, you know. So we did we shoot one bit at one end with them all in blue and white scarves and jerseys, then stop filming and then shove them down the other end, swap on the jerseys and to the opposing team. All oh, right, you know, about two hundred people and tell them to shout, you know. And yeah. cheer or boo, whatever you know. But it was a good location, you know, because it was just, just about the right level. It didn't want anything too flash or too, yeah. you know, too big. Well, that was. I mean, so it was actually it was a bit before. Like I think it was leveled before I actually moved to Redden. I've been in Redden for about 14, 15 years now. Um, as yeah. you can tell by my accent, I'm originally a Geordie, but um, yeah. I left there when I was nineteen, and then went on a bit of a went on a bit of a journey since then. But yeah, obviously the reason that we started this, most so of my friend. George, who does this with me, he's from London, so he's a Cockney, I'm a Geordie. So, you know, he's got his perspective from, you know, Wayne, and obviously I've got my yeah. perspective from the from the Geordie lads. And no, I'm, scared. I'm scared, sir. All right, yeah. So, then, so you're Moxie then. Well, you can be the, you can be, of, yeah. you can be the Moxie side of it. Without um, the arson. Without the arson. <laughs> 
well, let's hope not anyway. And um, and yeah, so we thought it would be you know a good synergy you know to to talk about it because there was a, there's a few other there's a few other podcasts have started up like rewatch podcasts. So basically, what we do is we we watch an episode and then we talk then then obviously we we talk through it and detail yeah. and we, we you know we talk about it. So we're on where it, it's actually the there's a bit of synergy going on here, which was completely unexpected. So last week was series two, episode three. Um, and um, yeah, and this, and so you, yeah, so no, sorry, series two, episode four. And so this week we're going to be doing series two, episode five, which is a home from home, which was the first one in series two that you did so it's yeah. a it's it's quite a quite a coincidence that we that i've managed to uh, manage to manage to track you down in time for that so i'm, I'm really really happy about Sorry. that and um so just before we get on to that though so there was um you did something else called hold the back page which again was about yeah. support and um, and uh, uh, that was um, was that was a writing credit you had, and it was apparently it was about a, a jour- journalists or in, in a in a tabloid paper, and they every week was sort of themed on a different sport. Was that correct? Yeah, it was about a one a guy taking a jump from a from a posh paper down to a tabloid to make more money. So he he gone gone from writing you know thousand word essays into writing you know. Uh, nasty little pieces of work about you know who was drunk and who was you know that sort of thing you know it was a sort of scandal sheet really one of yeah. the tabloids you know, they were looking for the dirt so it was about adjusting to that really and again that was a it was sort of a comedy based thing yeah yeah but it was comedy I mean it was like when he had an ex-wife and he's typing something up and he said she comes in and says you um, I need some money and he, and he said to the, he took taps the typewriter and he said I think I get I get this fitted with a till <laughs> Yeah, so it was David Warner who was yeah. deadpan being a really good actor, you know. Excellent. So, and um and from the comedy side of things, you also did um the Lenny Henry show as well. And it's again, I mean it's a very tenuous link, but I'm gonna mention it. So where I live in Reading is actually a place called Spencer's Wood, and just round the corner from me, that's where Lenny Henry and Dawn French used to live. Big house, yeah. I went there once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or twice. Yeah. yeah, just off the motorway. So yeah, it's not too. Yeah. I actually used to a long, long time ago. I used to go out with a girl that lived next door to them. So that was uh, yeah. that was how I knew her. Yeah. Anyway, so they both just after they got married, I think, and um, moved out of London because they were getting all kinds of racist rubbish, you oh, know, really? in London. Oh, well, I'm, I'm sure that they got less of that in Reading. Reading's quite a nice place, so. Yeah, um, and then uh, the most recent one was uh, it, is it it you know, excuse, excuse the pronunciation is it Diesel in Pasco? I think that was I never watched it, but uh, I think that was the it was quite a popular Diel Diel in Pasco Diel in Pasco yeah Diel in Pasco yeah and and I'm a, well I'm not ashamed I suppose ashamed is the wrong word but um the there's there's something that's on your IMDb that is probably something that I've watched more of than anything else that you've ever done. And really? having a child, it was you did an episode of Fireman Sam. Did several episodes of Fireman Sam, yeah. Oh, oh several because it's only got one on there. So, how, so uh, okay, uh, uh, to go from uh, so to go from our Vidazian pet to Fireman Sam, how, how how did that work out for you? I mean, it must obviously be a, a real strange. It didn't, didn't go direct. Didn't get. Wasn't a direct direct context. The one followed the other. It was just I did a lot of work 
in television in the 80s. And then uh, in, in the 90s, I got contacted by a company in Cardiff to do to write this, um, mainly write this series called um, about a football team. It was an, they wanted any, they wanted football writers, people who knew football, to come up with. It's called the Hurricanes. It's a kids series, and each was half hour long. So I did lots of those, and gradually from there they kept throwing work at me. You know, from different countries, you know, work from France and Germany, things like that. Like a German one. And it was great writing the kids stuff. I had one called Fix and Foxy with the two German foxes, and uh, you'd write some fun sort of and we would go to have a fishing competition. One of them pulls a trolley out of the water, out of the river, and sends it off to Germany for a note. And the note came back saying, in Germany, we do not have trolleys in our rivers. Only in Britain do you have trolleys <laughs> in your rivers. I, I did see there was a couple of things on there with uh, which had, like, sort of the, the names of the episodes were in, a, right. were in a different language. So, yeah, whether it was German or French, I can't, I can't remember now. So, obviously, I didn't want to... Well, there's some French, some French ones as well. There's a... Billy the Cat, and I did... Um, that was it, yeah. Hillsop Hospital, which uh, Kevin Waitley, Kevin, Waitley, Kevin Waitley was in that, doing the voice. Oh, right. Hillsop Hospital. And then, and then also, something which is also very close to my heart, another favourite, you did two episodes of Spender. That's right, yeah, with Jimmy, uh, later on in the 90, uh, 80s, that's right. Yeah. Maybe. The third series, second or third series, I think. I, did yeah, I think it was the third there. series, yeah. So, because I, I recently read the, I re recently read Jimmy Neal's uh, autobiography, um, and uh, obviously doing Northern a, Soul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So doing a bit more research, and obviously he talked, he talks about how he went to LA and basically lived in Ian's house and um, yeah. did a lot of the writing there. So was it was it more of a case that he sort of dried up a little bit by the third series, and he he called you in for a bit of help or? Um, I don't know. I think he just he set up his own production company to, to do it, and uh, I got called in. It was somewhere in Notting Hill, and he had a script editor there, and he just wanted, you know, to. Um, I think he was into his third series or second or third series. He wanted some more more help, really. You know, that's all. Just a couple of ideas. Mm. Um, so it was that. You know, we, we not we're still in touch since the um, the end of. Outfit his own pet, you know, I did a pilot which meant for him, pilot episode, which he, he declined to do. But um, we, stayed, we stayed in contact and everything, so it was just a natural thing to do. And I'd, you know, I'd, I'd seen it already, so it, it, it was quite a good series. Well, very good series, you know. So, yeah, yeah. but he was like producer, producer as well, you know, so, you know, he was giving notes about things. And it was, I think it was quite a nice thing to do. Yeah, yeah, yes. I mean, it was. I, I remember it. I, I, it was. It was one of those things because it was all filmed in Newcastle, and it was. Yeah. You know, I was a. You know, I was a. I was a teenager at the time. You know, and it was. It was. You know, it was. You'd be walking around. You know, you'd watch it on the Saturday. You. You know, watch it on the Saturday night or whenever it was on. And the next day, you'd be in the town and you'd see the places where they had filmed it and stuff like that. And it was yeah. uh, a big thing because it was the very. I think it was the the very first sort of major TV series that had ever been filmed 100% in Newcastle, wasn't it? Wasn't What about when the boat goes in? Or oh, when the, when the boat comes in. Well, when the boat... <laughs> it's Sunday nights, isn't it? You're a little dizzy when the boat comes in. Well, again, my, uh, my co-host, George, he's a little bit older than me, so he remembers that a bit more fondly than I do. Yeah. It was a little bit beyond my time, but I remember my uh, granny, she always used to sing the song. 
um, when I was a kid. So yeah, that's that's my uh, that's my memories of that. So getting getting back, so getting back to the to the main obviously the main reason that we're speaking is obviously our Venus in pet. So um, on IMDb, they've got you down here is doing six episodes, which was uh, two from series one and then yeah. four from uh, series uh, two. So um, can you tell us? Um, oh, well, my coffee machine's about to make a real horrible noise. One second. Um, it tends to do this occasionally. Don't worry. Um, and, um, yeah, so could you uh, tell our listeners and our viewers sort of how you came about, because um, you were brought in to uh, Series 1 and Episode 5, which was Home yeah. Thoughts from Abroad, which was the episode um, with Tracy, who... God rest us all. Coincidentally, I don't know if you saw that um, the the girl that played it. She recently passed away. Um, she was. Right, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So that was very, very sad. Um, yeah, so she became she became a very successful novelist. Very successful. Yeah, I mean, like her books were translated into fifty different languages, and I mean, sold yeah. millions and millions and millions of books around the world. So yeah, it was very successful. But you know, she started out as Tracy Bomber's daughter. And so home thoughts for broad. Tracy runs away from home, and uh, and and obviously the rest of the episode ensues from there. So, like I say, series one, episode five. How did you get involved, sort of, you know, mid midway through the series, as it were? Uh, well, my contact with with Witten started a year or two earlier. Witten was the company that Dick and Ian had started with Alan McCune, and it was based in LA, but they were doing doing stuff over here as well. And the idea was to develop comedy and drama series and things, comedy drama series. Um, and I did, uh, well, I co-wrote a pilot in 1982, which was based on a sort of stories about Alan McCune. Alan McCune was a producer, but before that, he was a hairdresser in London in the in the 60s, very a trendy hairdresser. And uh, if you look at the credits of Get Carter, which is something else that was filmed in Newcastle. Yes, yes, yes. The end credits says hairdresser, Michael Alan McEwen, you know. All right. Anyway, the, I, so we did this thing based on, it was cool, a cut above, set in the 60s and cast it. It's half-hour comedy and got Tracy Ullman to be in there. And then this, this kid, this flash kid to be the hairdresser, you know, and, uh, they tried to date her and deal with their parents, things like this. And uh, we got, got to Birmingham on a Sunday night to do the filming and everything. And about an hour before we were due to film, the... Um, UK declared war on Argentina, so the, the the audience was like silence and cold and everything. So it was dead before we even started. Really, you know, we couldn't get a laugh out of them. You know, yeah, the yeah the fault. This news, yeah. this news was filtering through about battleships and you know, you know, declaring war and everything. So, yeah, so um, timing couldn't have been worse. Couldn't you know? Couldn't have been worse. Anyway, they did show it. I think Central. Showed it, and it just doesn't matter. It didn't get, and it, it did get some interest and everything, but it didn't get translated into a series. So about nine months later, I got a call from Alan on a Saturday, Saturday morning saying, "Come, can you come into the office and see us? I want to show you something." So I went in and he showed me, put got a video out and showed me a bit of it was all not even edited, just sound and you know raw footage of the lads running around the building site and stuff. And he gave me a briefing and outline of it. And, um, just said, could you could could you come and write some of this? You know, because we, we're sure Ian's uh, Dick had gone off to write film and uh, water the, the Dick, you know, a film, and Ian was writing the rest on his own. It was behind schedule, so he, did you think you could come in? So I went and had a meeting with him, and then we had a meeting with Ian, and 
they said, we've, we've done a story about virtually everybody, but we haven't got a story about Bomber, you know. So, and the producer, Martin Kim McKean, said, you know, give us a, if you come up with one by like three or four days, you know. So I went home and just thought about the, you know, the, the logics of the being away from home in a camp, you know, that the family at home, that all kinds of people, you know, chasing for money in like Nozzy's case and all that sort of thing. Yeah. And Brenda with Neville saying, how are you going to pain you know, being homesick? I thought, and Moxie not having any family. And I thought, Bomber or Bristol, not that far away. Maybe he's got the kid run, runs away, you know, just to change it, you yeah. know, change it around, you know, and have the girl, the, you know, she runs away. They find out, he goes back home and she ends up. So we had the sets up the comedy of the boys having yeah. to look after it in the hut, you know. Yeah, well, it was weird, wasn't it? That was the that was the that was the comedy one. So they... that was Dennis. That's the comedy thing. Where you, like you, you choose the worst possible person on the basis that they know. You know, you said you yeah. said you know about music and hair. You know, it was Barry. You he said it's like putting the rat in charge of the cheese larder. That's right. Yeah. 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 So yeah, it was one of my favorite episodes. But it also that is not like you know that's the the premise of the episode, but also the the greatest i mean one of the greatest comedy things i think so so for me personally i i remember when i was a kid obviously you know we were you know we used to watch it on the telly and this was when you you know back in the days where you know your mother would tape things off the off the tv onto your video so there was certain yeah. episodes of our impact that we had on vhs cassette and this was one of them so i remember watching this episode over and over again and um you know the the punishment yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but it's um, like for some reason, my mother never recorded all of the episodes from the series. So we had about four or five or six different episodes, like on a VHS cassette, and they weren't in. They might not have even been in chronological order, or you know, the right order. Um, but I remember this was one of them, and and it's the bit where Neville goes to get, and it's where Neville gets the job in the curry house, and then mm -hmm. and then they all they all turn up at the end when, you know, Bomber's back and he's, you know, it's all big and they go for the curry. And then, yeah. uh, were you, um, were you there when they were filming that? No. No, you weren't actually. No, no I was, I, 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 I went came in a couple of times from the, because they were still filming um, in Elstree at the time, you know, I'd been, I came for a couple of scenes, a couple, couple of days here and there. But, um, so, no, but I, I knew what had happened because I knew that, that they, Sort of the corpse, and everything they left it in, you know, with Jimmy. Jimmy's actually, they'd rehearsed it, they knew what was going to happen, but yeah. when they actually re recorded it, you can see Jimmy Nail just loses it. Exactly, but that's what I was going to say the laughter, the tears on his face, and he can't stop. It's yeah. unbelievable. We just left it in, we just left it in because it was yeah. so, you know. Yeah, it was absolutely yeah. just so, and like I say, they're trying to say the lines and you can see that they're genuinely, genuinely dying with laughter. So it was uh, yeah. absolutely fantastic. So you obviously did a good job. So you, you've done episode five, you've helped them out, and then they've called yeah. back for the finale. So there was, right, yeah. I mean, how long, how long was it between sort of finishing episode five and being called back for episode 13? Was there a bit of a gap there or did it sort of, did they just ask you to go uh, through? Um, well, it was, it was, you know, the uh, it was very quick because I, I did a rewrite on that five and things like that, and uh, they were aware of another gap that that appeared that Ian was behind and everything, and they had to schedule up that a slot booked for shooting the last episode, and he and, he, and they still didn't have one, you know. So I had a meeting with with uh, Dick wasn't around either. Then that's Ian and Martin McCune 
uh, who was the main producer, who was a great bloke. And we went, just sat around talking and said, you know, we could have come up with the episode. And one of the things that was in play at the time was that the Germans had said, you can't, if you want, if you want to stay, you have to start paying tax, you have to yeah. register. Um, and the other thing that was happening was that we'd been told that we couldn't use the site anymore because it had been sold to the BBC. For mm. They were planning EastEnders, you know, they wanted to build an entire, you know, the, the, the building site was already built and it had given them the idea that, that they could build Abel Square on the sets around there, you know. So they made a bid. So it was the old ABC building. I mean, the tower in the back was later used for uh, Holby City, you know, the shooting in Holby oh. City and things like that. So there were all kinds of things. They were going to, were they going to go home? They decided to go home or stay. And what was what was going to happen after the hut? You know, leaving the hut. So we we had a chat, and then one morning I said, "Well, maybe we'd already got this thing about Moxie being an arsonist." So I said, "But if it burns <laughs> accidentally, you know, and that sort of thing." And, and Ian said, "That's it. It's a great way to finish it. You know, the hut the hut must go. Is it the hut must go?" So we orchestrated that, that and all the different stories about you know who was going to stay and with, was Dennis going to stay with Dagmar or go home and. Everyone was like waiting on him to make a decision before they decided themselves. Yeah. So, but we thought, also thought that it was going to be the end, you know, because there hadn't been any wild enthusiasm from Central at that stage. But that so was the general, so general it, impression. Was, so, is my understanding correct that it was all filmed before it was broadcast? So, like, um, like they they filmed all thirteen episodes and then they broadcasted it because well, obviously some TV shows I believe you know they'll like they they start broadcasting yeah. way through filming so you know they they'll be on episode six they'll be filming episode six when they're broadcasting episode one yeah. this was like they filmed it all and then they broadcasted so after filming yeah. the TV company were a bit like eh, not really that interested but then it's well, the biggest number of viewers ever didn't it. Yeah, well, it, there was a gap of about when the, the last of us it was shot in like June '83, and it went out in November uh, later that year. So that's yeah. sort of five months later. So all I know uh, by that time, most of the stuff had been edited and cut together. But during the, that period, they had you know, they, by by the time we finished shooting the episode thirteen, uh, the general thing was you know that they had, they had to leave Germany, so we couldn't they couldn't have them stay in Germany unless they you know, moved to a different site. Yeah. We had to move the, the from Elstree, so we had to recreate something else. And also, we didn't know whether we were going to get another series or not, because nobody had actually said so. And it wasn't until the first episode went out and then the racing started to go up and, and got all this feedback that they sort of committed themselves to a second series, because the lads didn't have any contract for a second series, you know, yeah. at all. So when the Central came back to them, Carlson, as it was by then, you know, and said, you know, um, we, we're going to do a second series now. And they said, well, actually, we haven't got a contract, so pay up, you know, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, in, fill um, their boots. That's not, not me, but the, the actors, you know. Yeah, yeah, well, that, that in book, he describes how his life changed overnight, you know, so he yeah. was, you know, he'd done the film and, um, you know, he obviously, he, he, you know, he got paid, a, you know, a reasonable amount for a, you know, a normal person, yeah. not mega star money for that for that first series, and um, and then you know he's gone to bed on, you know, he's he, you know he's he's gone to bed on the he's gone to bed, you know, he's he's gone to bed on the Saturday night or whatever after it was broadcast as a normal guy, 
And then he said, you know, he got up the next morning and went down the shop for a pint of milk or something. And just everyone in the street was just like stopping him. And he just, he mm-hmm. like, you know, just his life just changed. And, you know, he, he, he became a big star, didn't he? And and, and that was... Yeah. That was you know, well, they all, they, all, they all did really. Yeah. They all transformed their lives. You know, there's, there's sort of... I mean, I've said it before and I, I, you know, I don't mind repeating it. You know, I, I, I've been writing for telly for about 43 years now and it's the best cast I've ever had really in terms of the, the size of it and the cohesiveness and how they got on together you know how, how it worked all the characters you know because mm. uh, on on most tv things you usually get somebody who lets you down or is bitching about things or something like that you know um, but th- they, were, they were just a great bunch of actors you know yeah so but they yeah. weren't not very few of them were actually famous or you know the Kevin and Tim had done amateur dramatics and Tim had been in a film about the call the captain's tale, but about a northern team and played in the Lipton Cup in the 1900s, you know. Um, so for them, it was a bit of a shock for all of them to be suddenly getting 14 million people watching them well, every, well, every yeah, week. Think, you know, back in back in the day, it was there was only was it I think it was that might have even been before Channel Four. So there was three channels on the telly. So you know, if you were on if you were on the telly back in back in back in those days. Everybody knew who you were. Now you can be yeah. on the telly now, and nobody knows who you are because only ten people watch every channel. You know. Yeah. Well, Channel Four started, started in nineteen eighty-two. All right. Um, yeah, but I mean, it's just weird because they they put it out on a Friday night when most working men were in the pub. You know, we would have been out on the end of the week, and so the a it was a bizarre scheduling piece of scheduling, you know, and also. The, when when they started to see the figures coming in and the reactions, the reviews, apart from there was the snotty one in the Times, I think, as I remember, but they all started to pick it up, you know. And um, so, well, it did transform the lives of the people, you know. And they, they, all, they all went on to do successful things in different ways. Um, but when they, the, the good thing was that they came back for the second series, you know, they were able to they were able to negotiate new contracts, which 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 they got more than they, you know from what they deserved, you know more. They got what they deserved the second series, which they ne- didn't necessarily get in the first, you know. Mm. Um, and then, you know, so at the end of that one, we we, we already decided that that was the end. You know, didn't want to go any further, you know, until. Yeah. So, so, um, so um, it was like you say, was it like three years, two, three years later down the line, and you get called up um, again, sort of in a in episode five. Um, so was was that always the plan, or was that uh, was that again like they were trying to do it themselves, and then they got short, and they they called they they, no. they sent up the bat signal for you? No, I got I got hired this time right from the start. Um, so when I think if I remember right, once the obviously once the game figures got out, and the the um, central got back, it was a takeover. The franchise thing changed from Carlton from Central to Carlton. Um, got came back in and said, right, we want to get another series, you know. So we sat down with, um, I, I was invited back immediately just to, to write, be a writer from the start. So I met oh, Dick, Dick and Ian Martin and everything. And then we, they said, right, we, you know, we can't, they were, it was, we went to Spain, basically. We went to Spain eventually for, for a record to see what stories we could get from there. Because there are all kinds of ideas about going to the Falkland Islands, Dubai, you know, which is the, most cinematic and everything. We were ruling all these things out gradually, you know, and eventually we got down to do it in Spain, but just do four episodes at the end and just have them coming back together to work on something. 
And then, so I, I was, we mapped out what the sort of series was going to be like, you know, because most, you can tell the difference between the first one, which is a series in the, each episode is different and a different story. And in the second one, it's a serial because it, it continues like the ones I did in, in Thorny Manor. Yeah. They carry over yeah. with Pringle and the girls and what they, what they get up to, you know. So it's, the other ones were self-contained. This one was like, right, a flow through to what yeah. we're doing with Delhi all the time and the, the Spanish thing. You know. it, was, it was it was tough because you couldn't, I mean, I, I just said, we've got to, you know, we've got to re recreate the squalor of the hut. Because that's the, where the best, best companies, you know, where, they're, where they're stuck, basically. So when they got, you know, banned from the pub and everything, I got them as a ban from the pub and everything, just to be on site, finishing work and having nowhere to go and, you know, no furniture and no eating. But if, you know, I just thought that's that's what we want, really, you know, to recreate the hut, squalor, you know, and desperate men, you know. Well, this is it. So, the, the, so, uh, so that's it. So, home from home, they're they're holed up in Thornley Manor, and this is when uh, they find the videotapes and the infamous Tiger video, which get which ends ends up getting them back into the Barleymore, which again yeah. bit of absolute comedy genius. And 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 you know that that bit at the end where you've got the the. the the camera view is like from, imagine like the camera's like on top of the telly and they're yeah. sitting around the telly and they're watching the video of, 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 of Arthur Pringle with the, with the, with the, the sort of the, well, stripper, whatever she is, porn actress. Jill yeah. No, she's a, she was a model, page credits with three girls, Jill, Jilly Johnson, I think. All right. Right. And so yeah. she sat on his knee and, um, and then, you know, the cheer goes up. And again, just an absolute piece of comedy genius. You know, it's really, really funny. And then when he goes yeah. over the tape at the end and he's like, Arthur Pringle, this is your life. Uh, yeah. And they all start singing the song. Duh, duh, duh. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. So it, was just a, it was just an idea about you know, what, what, what they would get up to when they were going around, going around the old house, you know, when Barry goes off brass rubbing and things like that, you know, and then they're always, all the time they're looking for a pub, looking for a pub and everything. And I... I had this idea of the video, an old video turning up, you know, and for some entertainment and things, you know. And then, um, but they obviously, they obviously, what was great about it was they obviously knew it because it was in the script, but but the director managed to get the great reaction, you know, the, it looked like they'd never seen it before. Yeah. So when so when they see it on that shot you describe, it looks like they'd never seen it before. Obviously they have, so they know what's yeah. coming, but they reacted fantastically, you know, like, and they all say, oh, that's, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pringle, oh, Pringle, Pringle. Absolutely amazing. But then, and then, so yeah. the next episode you did was, um, and this was, uh, we see a bit of a crossover into Jimmy Jimmy Neal's other life. So, um, series two, episode six, Cowboys. They get um, yeah. Harry the plumber comes in, and um, and him and Oz get on like a house on fire with a shared love of country music, and they get invited to Harry's local. And the next thing we see is Big Willie Osborne up on the stage. Yeah. So was that was was there an idea to have Jimmy singing at some point that was that was worked in that was on per, like purposely worked into the script or did it spontaneously come about? Um, well, it was, I think it was. I, I knew that he'd been in a band in Newcastle, you know, in his in his youth, you know, things like that. And everybody said, "Oh, he's you know he's, he was a singer and things like that." But um, nothing specific had been proposed. But I just thought that. You know, because of the one of the first lessons I learned in writing a Richard Harris 
there's an old writer told me, you know, if you're writing about, if your sub, your top plot means about something, then you, you, your subplot should about this, be about the same thing in a different way. So there was cowboys, which was the country music, and there was cowboys because what what they were doing with the building was cheapskate yeah. work, you know. So you got the two levels of, you know, it's corny, you know, and also because of, we'd always fed off this magnificent seven thing, you know, that you end up with the punch up, which was like, you know, the last you know, one of those big, I think, what's it day, Black Black Day at Bad Rock or something, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. There's yeah. a con- confrontation with the baddies, you know, that thing. Because Kevin Kevin Lloyd had been in another Wits End pilot, which I'd done uh that the in 84 which also failed also got showed but got failed about a bloke who'd been unemployed going to a business classes you know and uh, kevin Lowe was in that because you know. yeah. we were now we were now by then we were shooting in nottingham and derbyshire and yeah. lenton lane you know so we kevin was from derby you know and had a perfect accent and he was good 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 crack you should have used him more really probably you know didn't he? Didn't he? Memory serves me correctly. Didn't he have a, a very? Didn't he have a, a continuous role on the bill? Didn't he end up being a? He would end up. Tosh, being, yeah, that was right. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, you brought it up. The fight scene. So again, one of the one of the one of the iconic scenes of the of the of the entire uh, of the entire uh, show, and um, and they turn up, and um, and it's Big Baz and a couple of Ali's heavies. And, um, and 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 he says he says oh it's the boys from the brown stuff and then he throws yeah. he throws his wrench at the car and the mayhem ensues and yeah. uh, you know Moxie's like I'm gonna set fire to this bastard and yeah I mean yeah. absolutely fantastic and obviously Bomber gives Big Baz what for and, yeah. um, you know Barry's uh, Barry's is sort of quake in a way but at the end Oz gets him to give him a little kick at the end so you know oh, fantastic scene. Yeah, well, I, I went to that one for a couple of days. It was, it was just just outside, east of Southall, yeah. where this manor house, you know. So, um, and they found it. It was pretty wrecked, you know. And, and the, to make it even more impressive, the, the art department built the tower at the back. You know, That's right, yeah, so yeah, it, looked, yeah. it looked even bigger. And it's a real, it's a real building. It's a real thing now. It's it's a beautiful manor, old manor house, you know. So, and but all the grounds, I think, were all gone to seed and everything like that, you know. So. It was a perfect setting for a, a bundle, you know, with this lot. So I said the cowboys thing was the payoff of the cowboy theme, you know, which was that you would sit there like, you know, the, the, the Magnificent Seven or whatever it was, Last Trans Humor, yeah. Bad Day of Black Rock, when you say, do not forsake me, oh, my darling, you know, and you watch from a distance as this car comes and you think, you know, it's yeah, going to yeah. be trouble. It's like the it's cowboys good. right in the town, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just the dust cloud of, you know, heading towards you, you know. So I, it was every, I used every cliche in the book, really, basically. Uh, but, hey, look, it was brilliant. So then Thank you. the work at the manor finishes and they head up, they head back up to Newcastle. And, um, and the, again, a play on words here with the title, No Sex, Please, We're Britties, um, from obviously the, it was, um, was the two, was it the, the two Ronnies did that? No, was it the two Ronnies? Or was it, uh, was it, was it Mortimer and Wise or something like that that did No Sex, Please, We're British? No, it was a it was a stage play. It was a Ray, a Ray Cooney farce, I think, in the West End. Um, that was the title of it. There was didn't they make you know, the, a film? Wasn't there a film made out of it? Um, there must have been. I don't know. I mean, the, the, the title was I. Well, the title existed, but not with the. 
like not with brickies in the word. That's all. I just changed it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was uh, like I say, that good play on words. And so obviously they're preparing to leave the country, but they're back in Newcastle, and um, and obviously the, the, well, the episode, episode seven, episode seven ends with them getting their revenge on Pringle, you know, and uh, yeah, that sort of thing. It was a bit, it was a bit of a holding episode because they they'd finished the work and I was got off with Lady Chatterley and all that sort of stuff, you know, and Wayne and uh, got his car nicked. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. The um, well, that you say about yeah, that was it. Oz and Oz and the woman when he when he, he goes around and he's like, well, sure. What about that garage? And she just goes, what garage? And uh, you're like, yeah. well, and well, it's Oz. Oz generally tends to find himself in those situations throughout the uh, th- throughout uh, the throughout that and and then the later and he's so in um, yeah. them when he gets blown up when he's in the court yeah. in uh, in the in was it it must be series four. Um, and um, and then also in the in uh, in Arizona when he's uh, well in the in series three when he's uh, with Jeffrey's uh, assistant and he always tends to find himself uh, the bit of rough Jordy that gets to pull the posh bird. I wish it was like that in real life. I've never had that happen to me. No, no, it didn't happen to me either. So <laughs> um, it's just a, it was just it's a sort of like British cliche, you know that. Yeah. You know. The, the sort of those films of you know the in the sixties you know the sixties uh, and seventies about the you know the window cleaner and that sort of thing Robin Robin yeah, Asquith yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. and so fancy, yeah. I did I read somewhere that there was um, when you went to Spain um, that there was uh, a near a near miss in a car or something like that that um, you nearly it was, uh, yeah. you, you nearly that was in the, get to write it that was in the recce uh, in. That was February '85, and um, the, the, I went out with Dick and Ian and uh, Anna McCune and the main director, which is Roger Bamford, the five of us, and we stayed in this place just up from uh, Marbella in the hills. You know, we didn't want to stay in Marbella because it was too rich and too. You know, we, we did filming there a bit, um, and I think the first night out of the out of the hotel, which is was the main highway, coastal highway. Going between our hotel and Marbella, and Roger was driving the car, and he pulled out in front of this juggernaut. He'd looked the wrong way, you know, as you do in, when you're abroad, just about 100 yards away with no chance of just standing at all. And so he managed to be all screaming at him, said, Reverse, reverse. Yeah. So he got it reverse and got out of it. Just, you know, we were wiped out basically. Yeah. Just looked the wrong way. Well, I, used to, I actually used to live in Marbella. So I, I spent five years living and working out in Spain. And that that stretch of high that stretch of coast road, basically between yeah. sort of Gibraltar and Malaga, is like yeah. it's the most dangerous stretch of road in Europe. Yeah, it was at the time. Yeah, this is like we were in Mijas, yeah. coming down oh, from Mijas, yeah. and, and it just felt like crossing the road. But there was no island or lights or anything. You had to look both ways and just mm. put your foot down and trust that you get across. You know, yeah. but he looked he looked that way. And, and there was nothing, nothing there, obviously, because it was the wrong lane, you know. So we were all looking the other way, watching this great truck heading towards us, you know. And um, anyway, we, we didn't shit ourselves, but it was, we all had a stiff drink when we got to got into well, Marbella. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So well, like, well, um, it's a good job that a uh, good job that that didn't happen, so you could manage to uh, do it. And so the final, the, the, the final four episodes um, were uh, in Spain. And obviously yeah. the, the various different storylines that came through. Um, and um, there was the reporters uh, chasing them around, which was um, in episode what? So you were 
um, that you were specifically credited with episode 11, which was a lot, 11, to, yeah. a lot to do with the reporters chasing them round because thinking that they'd done this bullying job in Sheffield or something like that. Was it the Sheffield? Yeah. yeah. So that was, we, we did, we found the, the real, it was like this, the, the recce also, on the recce, we also found the, um, the pub where all the Costa del Crime people were. I, I, my pub in Maida Vale, where I went to, was had a mixture of show business and crime where they, you know, they're both in awe of each other. They're, the criminals are in awe of show business. And yeah. the act, actors like hanging out with, you know, criminals and everything. So there was always that mix going on there. And, and when, it, when this mate of mine, who was a, ex dual thief and everything said so don't worry you know when you go out there see the boys i'll put a word in you'll be all right you'll be all right you know so and they fixed it up and so when we turned up they knew who we were you know and, and anyway all the, all this it was called the office it was in fungarola and it was just like a british pub it had photos of all these rock stars and actors and telephone booth red telephone booth in the corner and everything and english beer and so it was there and it was just um Part of what we thought we'd catch up on, I mean, use. I mean, they, they were fine with us. I didn't. They didn't. It was a bit scary sometimes. And you thought you never know when, because they were all a bit homesick, really. Basically, yeah. what was going to happen was at the time Spain was about to join the EU, and the EU said, um, "Well, you got to, you can't be giving sanctuary to all these bloody criminals from Germ Germany and all over the England, you know." Um, so I ended up. Just mistaking me, having had a few drinks, asking Ronnie Knight if he wanted to come out for lunch. And he said, no, it's all right, don't worry. And I woke, woke up in the middle of the night thinking, oh, Christ, what did I do? What did I do? You know? <laughs> uh, he was fine about it, right? Because he was, you know, it's an ex-Barbara Winter husband. You know? was, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they were all okay as long as we didn't, you know, we didn't do anything insulting or anything like that. We just, uh, and they knew we were coming. So the, it was cool, fairly cool, you know, but... Um, and then, but then it was just it was just so we used the sort of situation as a you know the seven lads hanging around on the beach you know and, the, and reporters are out there anyway at the time writing about the real life yeah um, criminals you know on the run and everything so we just well I just used that story swapped it over so they would get you know they were laid off at the time and you get into trouble you know naturally get trouble as being the Sheffield bullion robbery or something. It's a bit, a bit weak, really, the story. Because once you got... They start, I think the stories work best when they're under pressure, you know, and when they're sort of... Their spaces are limited, you know, that their options are limited. You know, sometimes it was hard to get comedy out of somebody, you know, in a bright sunlight with the pool and, you know, going to a nice village and, you know... But it, we managed to squeeze it out, I think, you know. So it was... Um, so the, the, the sort of the main... The name of the main gangster that there was and who Barry comes a cropper with in the bar is Terry Leather. So was Terry yeah. Leather potentially based on anyone real? Maybe Ronnie Knight at all? Or no, not really. No, I think I think there was just just the, the actor who played him. And, and I think it turned out he'd, he'd played he'd used that name before somewhere. So it was there was a real name somewhere further back. I think. In one of the small film, you know, so right. just just coincidence, you know. It, it wasn't really based on any, any particular one, and so we didn't want to tread on toes, and we didn't want to make fun of them, you know, because a lot of them were, a you know, it became very nasty later on towards the end, you know. Um, but at that time, they were most of them were homesick and were want, 
wanted to get, sorry, excuse me, negotiate, you know, we'll come back if you give us a reduced sentence or that sort of thing, you know, yeah. and, uh, which is what happened with Ronnie. I think he, you know, the, that he was, came back, you know, a lot of them just didn't, couldn't settle there, you know. And then later on, once the cocaine thing kicked in later on, it became a sort of battleground. It still is in many ways, you know. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it, you know... It was quite innocent then because they were there, but not doing anything. They weren't busy or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. They, they, were, were, not, they, were, they were stranded. Yeah. Yeah. So it was just the sort of... Well, yeah, Marbella is a, Marbella is a the sort of the central location for drug trafficking in, in Europe now. So it's, uh, yeah, yeah, there's always some horrible things happening. Um, I actually used to work in, I used to work in Linux as bar on the door. And um, yeah, there was a there was a lot of tasty characters around there back then, and that was about what 15, 14, 15 years ago, something like that. So um, yeah. it's um, it's a funny old place. So yeah, so look, and then um, and 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 then um, obviously, so series two finishes, and then there's a, a massive gap. Um, and I, yeah. again, I read that you know the obviously the you know the the it was a completely sort of different. Um, you know, uh, you know, company crew crowd that were um, that were involved in in the in in the later series. So was the, were, 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 you, were you were you disappointed that you didn't get asked to write for the the the, the sort of later series? Uh, no, but it was you know because it was basically 15, 16 years later, really. I mean, I, I didn't really hear about it, but I got to hear that that um, it was going to the BBC, and you know. Frank Rodham, who had the original idea, who'd found out about you know, his mates going to Germany and told Dick and Ian and persuaded them to revive it. Um, and Alan McEwen, who's the, the main producer on For Wits End, didn't want it, didn't want anything to do with it really. Or, and they cut him out of the deal, basically. I think there was some kind of, not, not backstabbing, but sort of, you know, just um, he, you know, didn't want, he wanted to keep the team together and they, they they sort of forced him out, really, or the change to them. And it was it was down like to I think it was down to six episodes. You know, we did we did I say we, me, Dickie, and a couple of other writers did twenty six episodes, which is a big haul in two years. You know, so now it's down to six. You know, and obviously the the whole idea was obviously to catch up with where, where are they now and what are they up to. You know, which is what Dickie and do very well. You know, because they did you know the likely lads, and then whatever happens to the likely lads. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, they, they're good at, you know, doing sequels in a way, you know, so, um, so I, I thought it was very good, yeah, but I wasn't bothered about being asked because I'd, you know, gone on to other things by then, you know, and yeah. one of the things in the business is you say, you say never go back, you know, sort of thing. So, but, yeah, I mean, you 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 know, I mean D D one of the things that Dick and Ian did was, um, which was one of my favourites, I've got it on DVD and I've watched it numerous times, was Porridge. And then obviously the yeah. afterwards it was going straight, wasn't it? So yeah, um, yeah. I mean, again, just you know the 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 some of the you know the, the the things that they've done, you know, absolute classics that they've been involved in is uh, absolutely fantastic. And I did, I went on their website and there was a there was a name, there was a number, there was an email address for some guy, and I emailed them. I haven't heard back from them yet. So maybe when they find out that you've been on the podcast, Stan, that um, they may well come running in. I'm hoping that will happen. So. Um. I have to assure I have no influence whatsoever on. <laughs> I mean, I think that Ian's, you know, I'm fond of Ian and we get, Ian and I get on very well, you know, so he's appreciated, appreciated the work I did, you know, but they're, they are American residents, you know, so yeah, yeah, yeah. we 
I haven't seen. I saw the last time I saw them was at the thing in 2013 when they had this do in Newcastle. Yeah, the sun, Sunday for Sammy. No, it was the 30th anniversary of of the start of Avid's impact. Oh, okay. It was a weekend of um, well, there was a big dinner on the Saturday night and a lot of the cast turned up or phoned in, you know, reactions. It was to celebrate the 30th anniversary. So there was a 40th one coming up in two years' time. So I don't know whether they'll try one again, you know, but it went down very well. It was just, just it was, there was bus tours and it was a, in the afternoon there was a screening and Q&A and things, you know. So well, the amazing thing is... It, try and get me it's something kept going that. 40 years, you know, getting on for 50 years now. It's, yeah. Well, 40 years, it'll be in to, to 2023, too. It's exactly 40 years of TV and... Being, still being remembered, it's pretty good going. It shows you what how good Dick and Ian are as writers, really, and, yeah. and the cast are still, still resonant, you know. And they've all gone on to do better things, you know, not better things, but other things, you know. Yeah. Keep, one of them, nobody flopped, really. You know, you get people in series who disappear afterwards, you know, and then Jimmy did Spender and Crocodile Shoes and movies, and then Kevin, you know, Tim's been around, you know, yeah. Moxie's always in films. Uh, you know, and Bomber was always, you know, available to Star Wars and things like that and whatever else, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, uh, I was Tim's, one of Tim's national treasure now, Tim Spoilers. Oh, God, yeah, yeah. He's in, um, well, he was in, he was in, he was in Harry Potter, wasn't he? And, like, my kid was Harry Potter nuts when he was younger, so. Yeah, he's done, he's done the one about J.M. Turner and the hangman, you know, the, the last hangman. You know. Yeah. He's very versatile. Always been very versatile, Tim, you know. He was the most actively of the whole lot, really, you know, because he had a lot of training and, you know, he just, because he was only very young then, he just finished doing a film with Ken Russell while, while that was going on called Gothic, which a friend of mine wrote in 85. That was up in, they filmed it up in the Lake District and he played one of the characters in that. So he was occasionally coming back from that set, you know, saying that Ken Russell had stopped the shoot because the, the leaves on the ground were the wrong colour. <laughs> he got everybody to go and get some brown leaves. Um, so he. And, and, an eye for detail. Yeah, well, pedantic is the word, yeah. <laughs> well, look, um, Stan, um, you know, it's been an absolute pleasure to speak with you, mate. And, um, you know, you've, you've, you've given us some, uh, you know, some fantastic insights um, into the background of, you know, how things went on. And obviously, hmm. If you ever need to write something about a big fat Geordie podcaster, you know where I am. I'll do you in mind. Don't worry. But also, I have to say again, if you think writers have got power, think again. You know, they, we have very little power in terms of casting, or you know, you normally get you're a guns for hire basically. Yeah. Until you get to the stage of someone like Dickon Ian, who who can actually pitch a show and you know and get it made. It's very difficult otherwise. There's about 15, 20 writers who can get a show made on the, you know, write it on the back of an envelope and say, I want to do this and they'll, they'll commission it. Mm. But the rest, of, the rest of us have to sort of work hard at it and spell it all out, you know, write it, do a lot of work on spec, you know. Well, so you mentioned that you were working on a couple of things at the beginning, sorry. Was there anything in particular you'd like our, um, our listeners and viewers to keep an eye out for in the near future that you've got? Oh, no, they're, they're, not, they're, a, long way, they're a long way from getting made yet. They're, they're still in the pilot stage. 
on script wise one's about the racehorse thing about the the lads in this inner city you know of all the all different ethnicities yeah. going going buying this horse and <clears throat> going to getting into this white world of english horse racing and the other one is uh, a true life thing about a liverpool band a black liverpool band from the 60s called the chants um one of one of whom became a member of the real thing with his brother and they had a big hit in 76 called you to me or everything so it's, it's their story about how they lasted you know from through the 60s 70s 80s 90s and there's one of the brothers the one of the brothers died a few years ago but the younger brother chris samu is still going strong and his mate so the two of them still touring at the age of 70 singing soul and doing fat festivals and things fantastic achievement really you know fantastic keep going We'll hopefully we'll uh, hopefully we'll see that coming to our screens at some point in the future. Would it be a nice? It's a long way off. It's a long way off, you know, as you said. So, All right. Then I, might, I might retire. I might retire then if, if it gets on. <laughs> otherwise, yeah. So well, like you say, writers don't retire; they keep going. No uh, feet, you know, one foot in the grave, sort of thing. You know, off you go. That's, that's it. Tremendous. Well, look, Stan. Like I say, it, you know, I, I just want to thank you really, really much. You know, for the for the for the for the time that you've given us. Um, no trouble. And, um, no trouble. So it'll be uh, what what will happen is it'll we'll I'll gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna tee, tee I'm gonna tee it up this week and then we'll release this next week with the episode that will coincide with Cowboys. So series two episode oh, six. Um, and um, hopefully we'll get some. Uh, you can the, your presence will bring some more eyeballs to the podcast, and uh, and our loyal listeners will enjoy everything that you've said. So, um, oh, I hope so. thank you very much indeed for everything that you've done, mate. Okay, thanks very much for uh, liking it and remembering. Really, you know, brilliant. Thanks All very best. much. Well, George, that was absolutely fantastic. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm very, I'm so, so pleased that we've finally got um, a, a guest on the podcast. Yeah. We have been trying pretty hard, and it was a very, it was a good one. Um, you know, you don't yeah. much better than the writer of the episode that you are discussing. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Now, our, reader, uh, our listeners need to be aware that this is not the first, uh, this is not the last guest we will be having on the podcast. We do have some guests lined up already for season three. But... And they are cast members. We will not be revealing their identities just at this stage. But please, please, please do be aware that we are trying our very, very best to get more people and in particular cast members involved in the show. So please do tune in every Friday at 10 a.m. to make sure you do not miss an episode. So, like I said, George, today is series two. Episode six, Cowboys, written by our very mm. special guest, Mr. Stan Hay. Now, Cowboys was first broadcast on the 28th of March, 1986. And as we said, there are a couple of fantastic uh, cameos of yeah. that went on to some amazing things. And we will be talking about those as and when they come along. So, our episode opens. Um, the boys are in Thornley Manor and working away. And we see Oz, who is in the attic and, uh, you know, up in the top of the house. And yeah. uh, Howard Radcliffe in his Range Rover 
pulls onto the right <laughs> way. So Oz screams for Dennis, he's Dennis, and he whistles. And then Dennis is very, very close. And he's like, you know, obviously wasn't needing to be with that volume. He's like, what? And Oz says, I think you've got a visitor there. And he says, ah, it's Howard Radcliffe, it's Ali's architect. And Oz says, ah, ha. He says, I might have known it to be the architect there. I was tooving about in Range Rovers. <laughs> and Dennis says, really? I had no He says, why, ah, he says, the same as all them Rastas driving BMWs, you know? <laughs> they think it stands for Bob Marley and the Whalers. Again, probably couldn't get away with that joke these days. No, no, no. Um, says, well, and he said, but then says, well, why do architects drive them? And, and Oz says, well, you know the difference between a hedgehog and a Range Rover, don't he? says, no, <laughs> the he a hedgehog's got pricks on the boots. <laughs> so, um, Dennis has got a bit of a wee strange look on his face there. He's not, well, he's, he's not really too sure about whether he should be actually agreeing with us uh, with that, uh, yeah. with that, with that pretty direct summary of Range Rover drivers. Um, anyway, so Dennis calls to Howard. He says, Howard, up here, will you? And he says, uh, he says, right then, Dennis, he says, get the percolator on. And obviously <laughs> this, this, uh, this, this, um, you know, stimulates Oz's funny bone no end. He says, percolator, see what I mean? <laughs> percolator. I, said, I was going to ask you, is there, is, there, is there such a thing as a posh Geordie or not? Because he seems to come across to me as a... Yes. Obviously, he's a Geordie, but he's, he's yeah. trying to speak posh. Well, <laughs> yes. So there are, of course, there are people that speak with a Geordie accent, um, but yeah. you know, will not use slang words. Um, you know, yeah. they will say about instead of a boot. And the town... Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but yeah, of course, there are people with there are people with with Newcastle accents who are a little bit more well spoken. But uh, yes, I mean, I would, uh, uh, I would, I would, I would personally, I would avoid using the word posh. But I say something uh, slightly, slightly more upmarket than being dragged yeah. on a council estate as Oz clearly has been. Mm. Um, but that's like saying other 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 posh Londoners. Of course, there are. You fucking hate yeah. posh people, you cockneys. Um, <laughs> anyway, so Oz finds it very, very funny that um, Howard, in his posh Geordie accent, discusses a coffee percolator. And um, and Dennis warns Oz, he says, hey, says Howard's got a hotline Ali Fraser, so keep quiet and look busy, I'll read. And Oz, like, as if butter wouldn't melt in his mouth, he says... I don't know any other way, Dennis. <laughs> and um, so the um, Neville and Bummer are in the kitchen and Howard enters. He says, morning, lads, how's it going? And Neville says, oh, I okay, fine, like And he goes, good, good, good. And Bummer just, and he, as he walks through, and Bummer says, who's that? And then Neville, he's also making assumptions. He says, red sunglasses. He says, got to be the architect, hasn't he? I bet he's got a BMW outside and all. They're always driving BMWs for some reason. So Neville likes Neville thinks that uh, a BMW is the order of the day for a, an architect. Mm. And next we see uh, Moxie and Barry and Wayne. So we remember from last episode, Barry has got the fear of the ghost. <laughs> but I mean, yeah. you know, it's the middle. It's the middle of the day. So anyway, Moxie says, "Right, chocolate time. I'm going to get a brew on." And Wayne says, I'll come with you, Mox. 
all this bending, all this bending is doing my back in, and a slip disc could be fatal for a guy with my sexual appetite. And Moxie says, "You want us to bring yours up, Barry, or what?" And Barry panics. He's, "No, no, lads, I'm all right. I'll come down to the kitchen with you. It's all right." And like you can see from the look on Barry's face that he is still very fearful. Uh, Moxie says, "I don't suppose Barry is still worried about his friend, the ghost, do you, Ian?" And Wayne's like, nah, 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 fully grown adult is Barry. He wouldn't believe in ghosts. And Barry says, that's right, bloody ridicule me. I don't mind. You didn't see this thing. I did. I'm the one who can't bloody sleep at night. And I'm the one who's haunted by horrible images of Macbeth and Banquo. And Moxie asks, who the hell are they? And, um, and Wayne says, couple of ice skaters, ain't they? Like Torval and Dean. Mm-hmm. And um, and he says they are Shakespeare characters, Nurk. Yeah, so he calls calls Wayne a Nurk, or calls them both a Nurk. And Wayne says, "Oh yeah, how do you know?" And he says, "What do you mean? How?" Wayne's like, "How do you know?" Like, isn't that the stupidest question ever? How do you know this? Well, I fucking read the book, like for a start. <laughs> You know, how do you know? Say, like, what do you mean? How do I know? Bloody evening classes at Walsall Tech. That's how I know. We make a, we made a special point of studying the works of our most famous local writer. And Barry's here is trying to claim Shakespeare as a local writer, even though he's at <laughs> Wolverhampton. And uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, my sister lives near Stratford, and I definitely yeah. wouldn't want to walk from there to Wolverhampton. Uh, and uh, and Moxie, quite rightly, Moxie the educated says, I thought Shakespeare came from Stratford. And Barry says, ah, well interrupted Moxie. So it is, it's not all cement between those ears then. Correct, Shakespeare is usually linked with Stratford, but it was in fact an overspeaking. I, I, I watch, I, well, I tried to listen to this several times, I think he says, but it, he was in fact an overspilled playwright from the West Midlands. So I think he's trying to say that he was born in Wolverhampton, but he, he resided in Stratford. I don't know if that's true or mm. not. Um, and Wayne says, that's why I could never understand him at school, Mox. He wrote in a brummy accent for Bum. <laughs> and uh, Barry says, anyway, listen, in our class, right, we did a workshop production of Macbeth. We did it in a very clever, we did it very cleverly as a revenge Western. Kevin, Kelvin Fendig, that was the name of our director. Excellent idea. Anyway, right? He got the idea from the rap record by the doors. Riders on the storm, <laughs> killer on the road, his brain is squirming like a toad. And Barry thinks he's singing very, very well. Um, he says, anyway, right, we were all dressed up as cowboys and I played the Banquo Kid. And uh, when he says, must have livened up Walsall, no end that. And he says, listen to me, it's very interesting. What I'm saying is, right, Banquo gets bumped off by Macbeth as he claws his way to power and he comes back to haunt him, a bloody spectre, thirsty for vengeance, right? And Moxie says, so what's this got to do with a bloke who's supposed to be wandering around this dump? And he says, listen, all I'm saying is, having played the part of Banquo, I have a pretty good idea of what goes on inside a ghost brain. <laughs> and believe me, it's not very nice. Yes, Barry. So having done an amateur dramatics 
of Macbeth, Barry's now in a position to tell you what goes on in a ghost's head. So basically, Mox and Wayne walk off and Barry shits himself and, uh, excuse me, chases after them. So they cut to the office and Dennis is sitting with Howard and they're going over the um the uh, you know the itinerary of materials and dennis isn't impressed and he says plastic pipe plasterboard partition breeze blocks chipboard every expense spared howard and he says sorry dennis but ali's desperate to get this project finished so we can uh, release project some- project uh, <laughs> project finished so we can uh, re- release some cash for for his spanish investments then it says, what investments are those? And Howard says, I'm sorry, I can't say, but I think your boys are penciled in as part of them. Like, Howard's an architect. Like, he's going to be privy to fucking Ali, Ali Fraser's investment strategy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And Dennis says, a buy offer. And, uh, and, and Howard's, and he's a bit of a smarmy prick, is Howard. And he says, I don't think he sees yeah. terms, largely because he doesn't need to buy you lot off. He pays, you do. That's the relationship, isn't it? Pure and simple. And Dennis sticks it on him. He says, Howard, for an architect, you don't seem to know anything about people in the building trade. I mean, my lads are no, are not no bunch of girl guides. God knows, but they can smell a cowboy job a mile off. And if they don't like it, and he gets a bit, he gets a bit ratty. He says they can piss off and find work somewhere else. I mean, again, you're an architect. Your job, your job is to draw plans. It's not to tell the mm. builders they can piss off. I mean, he's getting ideas above his station there, Howard. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And Dennis says, no, no. He says, but they can create a hell of a lot of trouble for a bloke who's abusing their skills for a quick profit, especially when it means turning an old people's home into a cardboard death trap. And he says, now look here, Dennis, I've submitted three separate budgets to Ali for this project. He chose the cheapest one possible because it suited his purposes. It's not for me to make that sort of decision for him. I'm only, and Dennis says, doing your job and he says that's right he says Howard listen man he says I've got my reasons for working at Ali's orders now I don't like what I'm doing but I know exactly why I'm doing it now what's your excuse son and he's like I don't have to give you any justifications now can we please get on and he puts his sunglasses back on so they cut to Spain and <laughs> Marbella Club Hotel Hotel yeah this is, I've been past this place a million. This hotel is on the Golden Mile in between Marbella and Porta Venus. And it is yeah. one of the most uh, upmarket, salubrious hotels. And uh, I mean, it's, you know, like they've got like these little villas there that cost thousands and thousands and thousands of pounds a night to rent. And so um, Ali Fraser and Kenny Ames are in the jacuzzi of the Marbella Club Hotel. And Kenny Ames says, this takes me back. And as he says that, this woman, a topless woman, enters the <laughs> and, um, and he sa- and uh, And he says, uh, but he makes a joke. And he says, it's about, and he says, six people farting in the bath. And Ali says, he says, not now, Kenny, no more nostalgia for deprived childhoods. I think we bought, I think we're, um, I think we both left that a long way back. And he says, no, he says, I'm not talking about when I was a kid. 
I'm talking about when we were shooting Snowy White and the Five Dwarfs. It was a sensitive story about a cocaine-crazed nympho with a lust for small geezers. <laughs> um, sounds like an absolutely fantastic piece uh, of film, that. Probably, I think I've seen that one. <laughs> yeah, very likely. And, uh, and Ali Fraser says, I'm afraid I missed that one, Kenny. And he says, oh, no, he says it was very good. He says, we were going to make a sequel, only the dwarfs all pissed off back to the circus. And Ali says, I'm sure Barry Norman will be delighted to hear the rest of it. Now, listen, Kenny, this may be an interesting question. What two words fill you with dread? And he says, you what? And he says, you know, two words that get the old sphincter going. <laughs> and he says, he says, oh, it's going to be, it's going to be, uh, he says, it's, 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 it's going now. Was it done to you lot? Oh, I can't. He says, oh, it's going now. Thorley to that, to this lot. Ah, yeah. And he says, no. And he says, a couple of words like, you're nicked. He says, oh, come on, Ali, what's this? Some sort of panel van. I don't know what that means. He says, where's my, what's my bluff underwater? He says, no, no, the two words I was thinking about were extradition and treaty. Mm. He says, now, did they do anything for you? He says, yeah, well, I suppose they are as good as any, but they can't do anything to me, son, because they can't do nothing to me, son, because quite rightly, the law cannot be applied retrospectively. And he says, well, he says, I was speaking to a couple of the boys in town this morning, and some of them are not so sure. They reckon that the whole thing is going to be nailed down watertight, as it were. And he says, why is that? And he says, well, something to do with Spain's entry into the common market. So, yeah, he says, yes, it seems that Spain might not be welcome into the European community, whilst it still continues to give shelter to some of the heaviest villains on the continent, present company included. <laughs> and he says, you mean they're going to use us as hostages? And he says, well, yes, he says, I suppose so. He says, but then you've got to see it from Britain's point of view. Why should she enter into trade negotiations and such like? with a country who's still giving shelter to people who have spent their time taking wealth out of Britain. Normally, other people's wealth, mainly. And Kenny says, yeah, he says, well, don't you worry about that, nothing, son. Everything's going to be all right. I got to get out. I've got to get out of here. I'm beginning, was it? I'm beginning to wrinkle. And everything's going to be hunky-dory. And he says, you hope. He says, anyway, I've got some little ideas, some money-making ideas I'd like to have a word with you about, Kenny. Shall we have dinner tonight? And he says, as long as it's not boiled lobster, trying to make a joke, <laughs> saying that Ali is a boiled lobster because he's a bit red. And Ali Fraser thinks that's hilarious. And he says, ha-ha, boiled lobster, ha-ha. So we cut back to um, Thornley, uh, well, not Thornley Manor, but the shop to the, to the, to the village. Mm. And Dennis is going into the builder's merchant and he's obviously already formed a relationship and he says all right jack and he says i hope geordie you're back for some more are you must be a palace you're building up there in the country and dennis is not impressed with the list of stuff and he says oh he says it's more like a doll's house from now on look at that rubbish man and he and he hands the list of materials over to um over to uh, the, the the builder's merchant jack and um, and he says, oh, he says, a definite downturn in style. 
And he says, any chance you can get that lot up for tomorrow? He says, yes, me duck, I think so. I might have trouble stopping some of it blown off the back of the lorry, though. It's not <laughs> substantial, is it? And Dennis says, probably why they call them breeze blocks. And they have a bit of a laugh. And he says, oh, we need a plumber for a couple of weeks or so. He says, do you know any good lads locally? He says, oh, he says, aye, let me see. And he pulls the card down off the board. And he says, this bloke's from Derby. Top man, hard grafter, reasonable rates and a pleasant disposition. He says, I, he sounds ideal. He says, give him a ring now if you want. He says, sure, it's no bother. He says, not at all. He's me brother-in-law. <laughs> and he goes, ah, nepotism, eh? And he, go, and he makes a joke. He says, no, just a touch of arthritis. Arthritis. <laughs> so they're in the Barley Moor. And um, obviously they are still personas non gratas uh, having forced Pringle to let them in there. And Wayne is ingratiating himself further into Arthur's good books by tapping on the bar. And huh. Another pint here when you're ready. And Pringle uh, sarcastically says, certainly, sir. And he says, now, 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 Tiger, don't overdo this. <laughs> and obviously Barry thinks this is hilarious. And he says, otherwise, we'll have a little video shown for the brewery, won't we? Show them what their tenants get up to after hours. And then Pringle tries to, uh, you know, tries to intimidate him. And he says, did I ever tell you yeah. the time I was taken prisoner in Malaya? And Barry says, no, I don't think so. No, and he goes... And he, he actually uses what would be considered a fairly racial slur these days. He says, yeah. these little gooks with coloured hair <laughs> in a bamboo cage. And he says, they abused me with sticks, humiliated me. They thought they were safe, you see, because I was behind bars. Then I was rescued by my pals in the SAS. And as a revenge, I strung the little bastards up by the ankles. And <laughs> That'll be 87 pence, or do you want this one on the house? So, uh, Oz and Moxie are playing darts, and uh, he's, you know, 21, and they're, you know, they're keeping score, and, um, and he says 390, 399. And, um, and Moxie says, and he says to, uh, and Oz says to Moxie, he said, out you yet? He says, who? He says, happy Harry man, Pringle. He says, no, nothing. Mind you, I'm not exactly looking for conversation. And he says, I'm just waiting for one word out of line. Me, I'll pin his ears to the bloody dartboard with this. Mm. Oz, is, Oz is spoiling for a row with Pringle. And Bomber says, there's still a bit of an atmosphere in here, isn't there? I mean, what do you expect? And he says, I reminds me of a funeral, Palmer Bomber. Uh, Neville says, reminds me of a funeral, Palmer Bomber. And Dennis says, oh, come on, Neville. You were mourning when we were banned from here. Now you're mourning because we're back. I mean, just be grateful for small mercies, eh? And he says, I am. I just find it a bit depressing to round up my working day, sitting in a place I'm not really welcome. Mama says, it could be worse. I could be going home to the wife. And Dennis has a <laughs> laugh at that. And Neville, again, you know, feeling a bit homesick, he says, well, my wife's not like that, though, Bummer. Always makes us feel welcome when I get back from work. Always got a kiss for us, a cup of tea, talk about what sort of day we've had, and play with a band for an hour. And Dennis says, are you homesick now? And he says, me? What makes you think that? Mm -hmm. He's like, well, the fucking thing you've just been saying, that's what makes me think that. Um, <laughs> and he's um, hes like, look, why don't you take the weekend off and go up and see Brenda? And he says, I don't think I could afford to lose the money then. And he says, well, it's only for one day. We're not working on Sunday. And he says, could I? And he says, but you would, would that not be a man short for Saturday? 
And he goes, no, and Bomber says, I think Den would rather be short-handed than have you long-faced. So that chairs Neville up and he says, ah, good lad. And he says, I'll get, he says, my round. And so he shouts and he says, do you all want the same again? And they all say, aye. And he says, great. So they head back to the manor in the dark. And so the camper van pulls up outside and they're all obviously a little bit inebriated and there's a bit of drunken singing going on. So Barry notices that the light is on. He says, did somebody leave the light on? And they all go, no, no. And Barry says, anybody got a crucifix? And there's some spooky music plays in the background. And so all of the lads enter the, the, the house a bit tentatively and the, and the telly's on and the video's on. And, uh, and Dennis says, nobody left this video on, did they? And Wayne says, no. He says, and I packed up all the tapes neatly before we left. So they've, you know, they, they definitely know that someone yeah. is in the house. And Moxie says, looks like we've had another visitor again. And Neville says, and that door was closed when we went out and all. And, and Oz makes a joke. He says, what, the ghost's been out for a piss, has he? <laughs> And, uh, and Dennis says, right, lads, check all your gear, make sure nothing has been taken. So, the next morning, the materials have arrived at site, and um, the uh, Harry pulls up in his uh, Jeep with bullhorns on the front, and um, his cowboy hat, and, uh, you know, he's, uh, he's, you know, very much... Uh, you know, the, um, you know, again, you know, the, 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 the episode is called Cowboys and he has Harry turning up dressed like... A you cow- see what's written on the sign, on the side of the van? I'm, yeah, I'm plum crazy. <laughs> That's brilliant. So, so, Harry, let's just take a step back for a second. So the plumber, Harry Blackburn, is played by Kevin Lloyd. So Kevin Lloyd... Posh Lions. <laughs> Very much so, that's exactly. So, Kevin Lloyd was an actor who was active uh, between 1976 and 1998, and he has 56 credits on IMDb. And he started back in the day with things like Zed Cars, Blake Seven, Shine on Harvey Moon, Bergerac, Coronation, Minder, Juliet Bravo. He was also in an episode of Dempsey and Makepeace. I used to fucking Mm. love a bit of Dempsey and Makepeace, mate. Yeah, that's still on now. They repeat it. Oh, is it? Uh, Yeah. Dear John, Casualty, Rockcliffe's Babies, Andy Cap. Did you ever watch Andy Cap? I know it. I know the cards. Soon, but I never watched the actual uh, yeah, series. Well, that's right. So Andy Cap was a like a, a thing in the newspaper, wasn't it? It was a, like a little yeah, yeah, on the back on the back page, yeah. And then obviously, it's a uh, you know Andy Cap's uh, a, like you know is, is a Geordie, and uh, you know he's all about his wife Flo and going to the pub and whatever. But they made a TV series. Andy Cap and James ah. Colum played Andy Cap. Um, and anyway, so he was in Andy Cap. He was also in an episode of. Boone, like many other, ah. and finally, last but by no means least, he was in the bill for ten years yeah. and appeared in four hundred and fifty-four episodes as mm. DC Tosh Lines. Now, unfortunately, a bit of a sad, bit of a sad story. So Kevin Lloyd yeah. 
was uh, an alcoholic. And well, I think he was actually a chronic, a chronic alcoholic, wasn't he? He was, he was so far gone, wasn't he? I mean, well, he got so he was actually sacked. He was mm. sacked from the bill because he basically he was always turning up pissed, and yeah. he didn't have. Um, he was turning up pissed, and he hadn't learned his lines. So he was a bit of a liability on set. And I'm sure they probably, you know, like I say, he was there for 10 years, so they probably gave him as many chances as possible, but eventually mm. they had to get rid of him. And what happened... I, I did read at the, at the time, they because uh, they cremated him, but, but when they cremated him, they actually put his... Because uh, he used to wear a, a, a Mac all the time and the bill. So they, they, they put the Mac into the, the coffin when they cremate, cremated him. So he died with his Mac. Died with his Mac on. Well, there you go. That there's a bit of Tosh Lines trivia that was not available from other sources, George. I'm very impressed. Um, so yeah, but basically, he when he was sacked from the bill, they sent him to a detox center, a rehab center. Yeah, yeah. And he was put on a medication, and one of the medications that he was put on was antabuse. And obviously, one of the if you drink whilst on antabuse, the side yeah. effect is you are violently sick. So apparently and he escaped. He escaped from the place, didn't he? That's right. Yeah. So he, he left the detox center. He went out and drank and then came back and fell asleep and unfortunately choked on his own vomit. So his wife, um, his wife tried to uh, yeah. sue the rehab center for saying that they 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 had neglected him. But it was yeah, lack of care. Yeah. yeah, it was never proven. So, but yes, yeah, so that they, so like I say, Kevin Lloyd, Tosh Lines, rest in peace. He was a you know, he was he was a he was fantastic in this, he was fantastic yeah. in the bill, and um, and yeah, he was a good actor. And like I say, unfortunately, um, you know, he uh, passed away far too young. So is that like I say, so his um his uh, his Jeep approaches with the cowboy uh, adornments and he and he gets out and he says howdy is there a <laughs> Patterson around and Dennis says are you the plumber and he says well that's what it says there yeah and he says oh I am Dennis he says oh yeah and he gets out the car he says Harry Blackburn he says I've got all the gear in the back and he says a special discount because it's the brother-in-law like you know and Dennis says well every little helps like he says right where do you want to start then and he says, well, you don't mind giving us a hand with this stuff, do you? A bit of labouring? He says, not me, Dennis. Always happy to muck in. He says, good lad. Well, I'll tell you what. We'll have a break in a minute and I'll introduce you to the lads. And he says, aye. And so they all start carrying the materials in. And Moxie says, it's definitely cowboy material. Another reference to cowboys. And he says, definitely cowboy material. All this and bomber nods. He says, it'd be better off using Lego. And then, so Harry is carrying wood. And um, he is uh, starts singing, and um, he's clearly. I think he's sing he's singing a Merle Haggard song, isn't he? And and Oz listens, and he set, and he and he and he starts joining yeah. in. Um, and uh, he says the he says I drink the beer, I drink my beer in the evenings, and sing a little bit of these working man's blues. And Oz says Merle Haggard, and he says yeah. He says you a fan too, are you? And Oz says a fan. He says, I've only met a man like Merle in the flesh and in Nashville. And he says, well, bloody hell. He says, let me kiss your feet, me old mate. And then they start talking about Merle Haggard songs. And he says, a honky-tonk nighttime man. And he says, oh, if we make it through December. 
And then they both go, ooh, and he says, Okie from Muskogee. <laughs> and um, and then Oz sings, he says, they don't smoke marijuana in Muskogee. And Dennis is like, what's, what's the holdup down there? And Oz says, no, that's not one of Merle's, Dennis. Says, sounds more like Johnny Cash. So they are cut out the back and they're having their lunch and um, Oz has grabbed himself a pork pie and a jar of pickled onions and he sits down <laughs> he sits down with Harry and he's showing Harry his photo of Merle Haggard and um, and, he, and he says what about that man me and Merle live in Nashville and he says oh I thought he'd shaved his beard off a few years ago he says, that's not a beard it's a shadow across his face he goes oh yeah and he takes it back and he says well maybe maybe it is a beard I don't know he says can he fella like he was very pleased to hear about me stint the Falklands because he's very patriotic, like. And he says, and Harry says, a Falklands veteran who's met Merle Haggard, he goes, Cor, he says, you're just about the most important person I've ever come across Oz. <laughs> I mean, you know, setting his bar pretty low there. And he says, well, between me, he says, between ye and me, like, he says, I didn't get to do any actual butchering out there, you know, just civilian work, you know, and uh, the runway and all that. And, um, and he says, still, it's very impressive, though, Says rough was it? He says it was a picnic, son. And he stuffs a big pickled onion in his mouth. And he says, uh, "What was the worst bit? The cold or the shortage of women?" He says, "Well, they were both bad." Like he says, "I think I think the worst thing was that a lot of them bloody." He says, "He says the worst thing of the lot was them bloody Jim Davidson visits." <laughs> I remember it well. Him going over there, he, uh, he went over there all the time. Yeah. And um, and he says, uh, "No lover of cockneys then." And Oz sort of, you know, looks over his shoulder away and he says, well, we've got one on the firm, but, you know, we very seldom see eye to eye with him, like. He says, yeah, I tell you what, do you fancy a few drinks and a bit of a sing-song tomorrow night over my way? He says, he could, he says, could do I? He says, oh, he says, that'd have to be over your way. Like, he says, we're barred from all the boozers around here, but the only one we can get in, we've got in, we've got by blackmail. And, um, and he laughs and he says, I'm going to enjoy working with you lads. Says I, and he says, hey Oz, hey Oz, cheers. And so Harry raises a can of beer and, mm. you know, Oz goes to do cheers with him. Um, but he really, he doesn't, he forgets that he's holding the jar of pickled onions and he fucking <laughs> drinks the vinegar out of the jar of pickled onions. Oh. I mean, could you imagine? Could you imagine taking a big gob full of vinegar? I mean, <laughs> You know, absolutely brutal. So, um, they are, um, you know, they're working away. And um, and so Wayne says, what's the word then, Den? Do you want me to transform that second staircase to its former glory, or is there a lift going in? And he says, I'll, and he says, I'll leave that laugh for the weekend, Wayne. I don't think Howard has had his final approval of Ali's plans yet. And Neville says, I wouldn't hold out too much hope if I was you, not judging by that gear that's come in this morning. And Bomber says, seems like a pity to skimp on such a solid building, though, doesn't it? And Dennis says, look, it's his money and spend it how he wants. If he wants to do the place out in mud and straw, that's his decision. And Neville starts piping up, and this is laying the sort of the groundwork for what happens later. He says, it's a bit iffy, yeah. but it's an old folks home, Dennis. You should give them the best. And he says, look, you're getting well paid, Neville, so quit moaning, eh? And he walks off. And Bomber says, he seems a bit tetchy, doesn't he? 
And Neville and Wayne says, strain of being the gaffer, I suppose. And Neville says, strain of being employed by somebody like Ali Fraser, more like. So we cut back to Spain. And Ali mm. Fraser and Vicky and Kenny Ames and his tart are out for dinner. And, and so there's the, the guitar player in the restaurant. <laughs> and he's pissing off Ali, yeah. Oh, I mean, clearly Ali Fraser has got no time for restaurant guitar players. And he's like that. And sort of Ali like waves him away like that. And, um, and then Vicky, this is hilarious. So Vicky says, a nice drop of wine, that. And then she picks <laughs> up the bottle and she goes, ooh, I didn't know that they did white Rioja. Uh, not <laughs> Rioja, she calls it Rioja. I Rioja. didn't know that they did white Rioja. And Ali Fraser's like, you can see Ali Fraser going, oh, it's a good, you know, you can basically see him thinking, it's a good job you're fucking good looking, isn't it? You know, because she, <laughs> yeah. she's thick as pig shit. And um, and he says, oh, Vicky, he says, I think you should go and powder your nose. And she goes, why? Like, has it gone all shiny? And he says, away and have a slash. Kenny and I have to talk a wee bit of business. And she goes, well, all right, order is a brandy while I'm gone. And um, and Kenny squeezes the tarts off as she goes past. And um, and Ali Fraser says, women can be a right liability, Kenny. And he says, yeah. And he um, and he says, yeah, I had a word with a few of the Brit community. And your little story has already got a few of them. Um, uh, has already got a few of them. Um, pecking, it says there, I think it says. And he says, um, he says, well, they still have a wide choice of countries that don't have extradition treaties with Great Britain. You know, uh, you've got uh, Afghanistan, you've got Costa Rica. And he says, um, you've got Camp Campuchia. I don't even know where that is. Campuchia. You've got Nicaragua. Well, Vietnam, yeah. Oh, is it? And he says, you've got Nicaragua yeah, yeah. and Libya. And uh, Kenny says, I can't see myself playing golf with Gaddafi. And he laughs and he says, mm. what's your plan, Ali? He says, well, Kenny, did you ever play Monopoly as a kid? And he says, no, he <laughs> didn't like the go to jail bit. Even as a kid, it gave me a shiver. It's a cracking line. And he says, but you remember the basic principles of the game? And he says, oh, yeah. He says, buying property at advantageous prices, making offers to people who need cash to stay in the game. And he says, what are you getting at, Ali? He says, well, he says, if a dozen or so of your similarly placed colleagues should find themselves in need of quick cash, and even quicker exits, and might be in a very healthy position to take their properties off their hands. And Kenny says, at knockdown prices, and he says, you have played this game, game before, uh, more, more often than you care to admit, Ali, uh, Kenny. And he says, and since most of these properties happen to be in prime sites, I would then be in a very healthy place uh, to develop uh, the, them as holiday homes for the Brits who can move freely around the world. Mm. And Kenny says, what happens if I suspect, as it may, your property developing schemes get up the collective noses of those poor, he says, those poor hunted people. And he says, well, this is where you come in, Kenny. He says, as partner and general public relations expert, spreading goodwill, I'm sure the <laughs> two of us 
we can smooth things over. After all, we would be helping them out. I mean, there's no telling what the Spanish government could do. They're socialists. They may just repossess all your houses and kick you all out without a beam. And Kenny says, well, yeah, well, he says, you know, you've got to give me a few days to think about it, Ali. And he's got a very cheesy grin. I'm a big fan of Kenny Ames. I think he's funny. Yeah. He says, says, sure, he says, we are just throwing the dice around at this stage of the game. But um, he says, we've got to be able to move fast on the deal, that is, and the girls come back. And... um, and he says, and Kenny Ames, he makes it, I'm obviously he's making a joke. He says, you know, this is a real choker. He says, the people in England think we have a wonderful time here. And he gives his girl a kiss. Uh, well, the girl kisses him and he says, get off, yeah. And he's sitting there, you know, so he's sitting there, beautiful woman by his side, beautiful restaurant, sipping nice alcoholic drinks, uh, you know, just having had a nice meal. And he goes, it's a real prison, this is. You know, I'm <laughs> So they cut back to Thornley Manor and, um, and Oz is uh, with Bomber there. And he says, oh, he says, bloody murder this, you know. He says, working on a Saturday. He says, I should be at the match. And Bomber makes a joke. He says, it's better to be laying bricks than throwing them, Oz. And uh, Oz obviously finds that quite funny because this was back in the day when football hooliganism was quite um, rife. Oh, popular. <laughs> a popular pastime of young men on a Saturday. Yeah. And um, and um, and he says, besides, and Bomber says, besides, you'll enjoy your Saturday night out much better after a hard day's graft. And he says, that's written enough. Like, he says, I could deal with getting blood at the knees. He says, oh, listen, do you fancy a trip out of this boozer at Harry's? They've got a country turns on on a Saturday night by all accounts. You know, a bit of twanging. Do you fancy it? And uh, Bomber says, I'm more of a West Country music fan myself. You know, <laughs> Hatch Cutler and the Wurzels, that sort of thing. Drink up their cider. And uh, Oz says, music to shag sheep to you. <laughs> he says, I'll get you into Merle if it kills us before the end of this job. He says, Barry, do you fancy it? You know, what I was just saying to Bomber, we're going to go over to this Boozara Harry's the Neat and have a bit of a country twang. Are you up for it? To be... Uh, is it is, 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 is a bit uh, a bit Toby across? Um, and he says, "Yeah, I don't mind if I do." Actually, he says, "Right." He says, "Don't think I could take another night here watching Wayne's video nasties. It's bad enough having the ghost around." But in the way he says "ghost," he's like, "It's bad enough having the ghost around." He says, "But then watching some mad psych terrorizing the home counties with a black and decker drill." And um, and if you, I don't know if you see, did you see what he was holding in his hand? He's got a bottle of milk, and I mean, yeah, is it milk? I didn't know what the hell it was. It looks, I mean, it's clearly a very, I mean, it looks like it had been sat there for a month. And Oz goes, "What's this?" And he says, "It's horrible, isn't it?" I mean, it looks like a bottle of very sour milk. The bottom's clear. You know when milk that's sour, you get yeah, 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 fucking like what? You know what I mean? And um. And he says, it's horrible, isn't it? And he says, uh, and, and Bomber says, any more sightings of our friend yet? And uh, and Bayou says, he says, well, Moxie thought we heard a few strange gurglings in the night. Mind you, after 10 pints down the barley mow, it's hardly surprising, isn't it? He says, I, 
And, and Oz says, he says, aye, I'll get the bastard, he wait. He says, I'll, I've still not forgiven him for pinching me beer yet. As <laughs> for a being from the other world, he certainly has some pretty earthly tastes. And he says, I probably was it probably probably draw draws the line at Adge Cutler, and um, and that uh, potentially gives Bomber a bit of the hump, uh, casting aspersions on Bomber's musical taste. So they um, cut, and Neville is at home in bed with Brenda. Now they're mm -hmm. listening. They've got the radio on, and they are listening. And on the on the radio is a Newcastle United football game. Now, mm. somewhere, I've not actually looked. I've seen it a few times. You know, like on it's all right on the night and those outtake. Programs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's a bit in it where they're in the middle of this scene, and Neville's talking to Brenda, and on the radio in the background, Newcastle United score a goal, and it just completely ruins it. And Neville's like in the middle of doing his scene. He goes, he goes, I'm sorry, I'm gonna have to stop. He goes, Newcastle United just scored. So, <laughs> yeah, you can probably find that on YouTube somewhere. So he's like I say, they're in bed and um, and they're listening to the radio. And Brenda is a bit disappointed. Brenda was after, obviously after a bit of action. And she says, mm. it's hardly worth coming to bed if you're going to listen to the football all afternoon. And he says, oh, I'm sorry, Pet. It's just that it seems like a bit unnatural trying to do it during the day. And, you know, I kind of concentrate when Newcastle are playing. And she says, well, there was this article in Cosmo last month about how married couples should use as much variety as possible in their love life, times, places, clothes. And he goes, what's Cosmo? And she goes, Cosmopolitan magazine for the woman of today. And, and he goes, ah, that's where you get all your fancy ideas from, isn't it? And she goes, they're not fancy, they're just interesting. Things are changing for women, you know, Neville, even on Tyneside. And he says, ah, no, nah, nah, it's just I was brought up in a very traditional way, that's all. And she goes, oh, I wife at home, looking after the kids, pub with the lads, Saturday night on the nest, and Sunday afternoon asleep on the sofa after a big lunch. And he goes, oh, Howie, I've never been that bad, Brenda. I'm not a complete chauvinist. And she goes, no, but you're not a feminist either. And he goes, look, he goes, if it will make you happy, you go to the pub tomorrow dinner time and I'll make the Sunday dinner for you and Norma, okay? So obviously they've invited Norma around. And she goes, well, you're going to have to because I'm doing a couple of hours at the hospital tomorrow morning. And he goes, oh, some weekend off. And then he, he obviously sees that he's, you know, he's upset. He goes, sorry, Pet. He goes, I'd be pleased to do it. I'll give Debbie some cookery lessons. And it's uh, and he so it's half time and he like he turns the radio off, and uh, and he says I seem to have ten minutes free, and he goes hey listen about them clothes you can wear to make things more passionate, and she goes what about them and he goes he goes well how would you feel about wearing someone wearing some, and she <laughs> goes, it depends what they are there's a fine line between eroticism and kinkiness you know little. What did you have in mind? And he looks at her and he goes, a black and white striped football shirt. <laughs> so yes, I could very much see Brenda in a tune in a Newcastle United shirt. That would be <laughs> a very, very attractive proposition. However, Neville, uh, however, Brenda doesn't appreciate the joke and begins to beat him with the pillow. So 
we cut back mm. and we are from the outside it says country pub and it <laughs> means country and western rather than pub in the countryside so this pub mm. is actually a real pub and it is the manners arms in grantham ah. and so they obviously enter the pub and it is all filled with cowboys and they're doing a quick draw competition with a light bulb and carry <laughs> on. So they walk in and Harry sees them and he says, Howdy, partners. And Oz says, Sorry, we were a bit late. We were held up by Comanches on the A14. And Harry <laughs> says, Come in, I've got us a table by the stage. And they all sit down and get themselves a beer. Now, in the band, the lead singer of the band on the stage. Is um is a chap by the name of Toby, uh, sorry Tony McCannany. Now Toby wow. McCannany is uh, a musician, and he was involved in uh, writing the music for several different TV shows and films. But wow. he was also in Spender. So there's a wow. in Spender he plays a chap with I think it's MS who runs the guitar shop that Spender frequents. So he's, he's got quite a decent part in Spender. So he's obviously a good friend of uh, Jimmy Neal's. And um, so they sit down and, and, and Harry says, not bad, are they talking about the band? And he says, what? He says, hey, he says, I've heard a lot worse. And he says, you come, and, and, and Dennis says, you come here all the time. Harry says, oh yeah, every Saturday, we have a bit of a hold down, few beers, and then crash into dry stone walls on the way home. And Moxie says, oh, I, the original headbangers. And then we see the girl. That's all she comes yeah. up as in the titles, the girl. So the girl is played by none other than Gina McKee, mm. who goes on to be very, very famous. So she was, um, this was one of our very first acting roles. And um, she was... She looked gorgeous as well when she was younger, didn't she? Very, very gorgeous. Absolutely. So, yeah, very, very pretty, very, very pretty girl. And she um, she was originally born in Sunderland and is a Sunderland supporter, but we won't hold that against that. Um, well, we may do a little bit, but and she was brought, mm. she brought up in Peter Lee in County Durham. And she has 96 credits on her IMDb. So obviously, as well as Obi's impact, she was in an episode of Inspector Morse. She was also in Rock Cliffs Babies, like uh, Kevin Lloyd. Uh, she did a few episodes of the Larry Henry Show, Drop the Dead Donkey, Minder, Casualty, Our Friends in the North. She was in the film yeah. Notting Hill. Very famous. Yeah. She was in an episode of Lewis and was one of the, I think she's the only person, um, like apart from obviously um, uh, Kevin Waitley, to appear in both Inspector Morse and in Lewis. Mm. That's what it said. She was in Vera. She also had a very, very big part in Line of Duty in the first series of Line of Duty. It was an absolutely yeah. fantastic. Um, and she got brutally murdered. Spoiler alert, if you haven't seen Line of Duty. Yeah. She was also- no, They should have seen it by now. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, she was also in Heaven. Heaven's a fantastic comedy programme about a family that live in Heaven, which, for those of you that don't know, is a small, uh, is an area on the south side of the Tyne, near, sort of, uh, in between Gateshead and South Shields. And 
She was also in The Bodyguard, which was, again, a major uh, TV role uh, recently. Mm. So, yes, uh, Gina McKee, um, the girl. And like you say, she's uh, looking like a very pretty young lady. And um, so and Barry says, uh, so they're back to talking about the band, and Barry says, not so much heavy metal, is it? It's more thick grass. I should think prolonged exposure to it would cause you to grow udders. I don't know why he's taking the, he's sort of taking the piss a bit, Barry, to be honest with you. And Wayne says, right, I'm off on the pull. Anybody got a lasso? And, um, and Oz says, right, I'm going to go and get some more beers. So Wayne approaches the girl and he says, uh, Glenda Campbell, ain't it? The rhinestone cowgirl. And she says, do mm. what? And he says, uh, it was just a joke, you know. My name's, my name's Wayne after John, of course. And she's not paying attention. She goes, you what? And he goes, are you always so chatty up here? And she goes, sorry, I was listening to the music. And he goes, oh, yeah, masochist, are we? And again, you know, probably not the best line, but it seems to work. He was taking the piss out of the country music in the country music bar. And she goes, I only come because my brother's playing the fiddle. And he goes, seems like a sensitive type. Look, can I buy you a drink, love? Horlicks or something? And she says, no, thanks. I've got to drive him home later. And he goes, oh, I saw the series. And, and he goes, oh, I saw the series Rawhide Words. And he goes, yeah, look, is there another bar or something around here? One, one with a broken jukebox, preferably. And she goes, sorry, if you want a break from this, you'll have to go out in the car park. And Wayne, sensing his opportunity, like the weak, <laughs> like the weak buffalo at the back of the pack, he pounces. And he says, shall I see if they've got a table for two? And Wayne has pulled straight away. <laughs> and they walk out together. So, the band finished playing their song, and everyone claps, and there's a man jumps on the stage, and he says, boys and girls, quiet please, boys and girls, quiet. We have a very special guest artist tonight. <laughs> Apparently, he's appeared with the great Merle Haggard in Nashville. Ooh, everyone screams. And he's a great personal friend of Merle's. So, ladies and gentlemen, let's give him a real big hand. Big Willie Osborne. <laughs> and Oz puts the... He's got two jugs of beer. He puts them down on the table. And Oz gets up on the stage. And, like, the lads are dumbfounded as to what's going on. And Dennis says, what, what is he doing? And he says to the band, he says, do you know... I can't be myself. And so... Oh, great song. Yeah, he turns around and he starts singing. And not only does he start singing, but he starts singing surprisingly well. And he, yeah. um, yes, he uh, is. he impresses the lads no end. And Bob I think he actually sings this, he sings it live, doesn't he? When, when he's, uh, uh, when, yeah, when he's it doing... Yeah, surprise me. Yeah, yeah, he done the arrangement himself, and uh, yeah, he sung it live. Well, I actually, obviously, we mentioned it earlier. I mentioned it earlier um, to um, Stan during the interview about yeah. how they made use of Jimmy Neal's singing talents. Um, so, and Bomber says, "How can someone so ugly make a noise like that?" And Dennis <laughs> says, must be Maimon, Maimon, isn't he? 
and, um, and Moxie says, what's he called himself? And Barry says, Big Willie, weren't it? He says, it's true and all. He says, I shared a shower with him once in Dusseldorf. <laughs> so there you go. Oz is packing some heat by the sounds of things. So we cut out to the car park and Wayne has his soiree cut short and the girl gets out of the car in the car park and she goes, I've got to listen to this bloke. He sounds good. And they cut back in and Dennis is still convinced. He says, uh, he must be miming, he must be miming. And Harry, he says, hey, says that lad is wasted, Leon. <laughs> so we see them coming back to the manor and all of the lads are singing. Yeah, and they're singing yeah. this new song, I Can't Be Myself. And, um, and Wayne says, yeah, lads. He says, I hate to break up the party. He says, but the light's on again. And Oz comes running forward. He says, ah, let's see if the bastard's fallen into me little trap. And Dennis he, says, he likes laying traps, doesn't well, he? He's done it in Germany as well, didn't he? Exactly. <laughs> well brought up, George. So, yes, Oz... Oz, is, Oz, is, Oz loves to catch a thief, doesn't he? <laughs> so we go back to Germany where he had the, the he painted the, 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 yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the green dye. Um, so now he's set himself another little trap for a thief. And Dennis says, what trap? And he says, before we went out tonight, I squirted a bit of super glue on the fridge door handle. And so they walk in and the tramp is stuck to the fridge. And Ozzy's like, aha, hey, aha, finds it hilarious. And the ghost, he says, oh, Jesus, lads. He says, I'm glad to see you's back. He says, look, I can't go for a piss with this bloody fridge on me hand. And Barry's <laughs> like, that's him, the ghost. So they cut to the bedroom and obviously they've got the, uh, the their bandaging off his hand and they've got the fridge off his hand. And, uh, and he says, um, and he says, you're taking this awful well. He says, I'm getting much better than I deserve. And I says, you can say that again, McGurk. I don't know what that's in reference to, McGurk. <laughs> and, um, and he says, he says, if we hadn't have, he says, if we hadn't have had that solvent in the house, you would have had to spend the rest of your life walking around with a fridge door stuck to your mitt. And Dennis asks him, where you been hiding exactly? He says, ah, well, he says, you see, there's a little cupboard up in the, on the third floor and I just kept down in there when you were around or awake. And Bomber says, so while you were out, he says, so while we were out or asleep, you come out to play. And he says, look, I didn't mean any harm, lads. Honest, I've stopped here a few times on my travels. And when I saw you, he says, when I saw you, um, he says, when I saw you lay, uh, uh, lay in here, I saw you lot in here on the floor, I just thought you were dossing down as well. And Moxie goes, oh, charming. And Dennis says, well, he's, he's not far wrong, really. Now, at this moment, Dennis also does still sound a bit pissed again. Dennis is, uh, you know, his alcohol problem is still clearly a bit relevant there. And, um, and he says, um, and he said, and this, so the ghost says, he says, you're not going to throw me out tonight, are you? And, um, he said, and Dennis says, no, no, he says, there's a sleeping bag there, a spare one. He says, you can have that. Now, I'm assuming that's Neville's sleep bag. And he says, thanks. He goes, you can keep down there, all right. He says, but you better have a bath first. I mean, yeah, I mean, if I was Neville, 
and they'd let the fucking homeless tramp sleep in me sleeping bag. I'd be a bit, <laughs> I'd be a bit disappointed. I'd be a bit upset. And um, and he says uh, you'll have to gang on your way the morrow. He says he says because we've got work to do. And he says that's fair enough. He says tell me what he says tell me what are you doing to this house exactly? And Barry says we're turning it into an old folks home actually. And he says oh I can stop off here again. And Dennis says it'll cost you fifty pound a night by then, man. And he goes, oh, sod that for a game of soldiers. And it's quite funny. So Barry, is Barry's got a stick and he's making a bit of toast. And he pulls the toast <laughs> out like that. And the tramp just grabs it off the thing. And he goes, oh, thanks very much. He goes, oh, ta. And uh, obviously Barry had no intention of giving the ghost, the tramp, his toast. So we cut back to uh, Neville's at home. And he's cooking the Sunday dinner and he's talking to Debbie, his daughter in the high chair. And he says, are you tired, pet? He says, I saw so man. He says, what do you reckon? Three spoons or four? Now, this is actually Kevin Waitley's real daughter. So it's quite mm. probably, a, a, probably a normal interaction. And she says, I want to go to bed. And he says, I wish I could at all. And he cracks an egg in the flour and the shell goes in. I mean, it's a very bad job of cracking an egg. And he goes, hey, I says, I wish your man was here. Fancy going to work on a Sunday morning. He says, I didn't want you doing that, Debs. Not that there'll be any work for you, uh, you by the time that you grow up. And Brenda is now in the background with our nurse's cape. That's his uniform. <laughs> I mean, no, but like, have you seen the cape she's wearing? I mean, it's like, you know, I mean, how it's in the 80s, not the 50s. And, um, and, it, and he says, what time is Yorkshire pudding supposed to go in anyway? And Brenda interrupts. She says, who are you talking to, Pet? He goes, oh, hello, Pet. I'm just getting some culinary tips off Debbie. So if it all goes wrong, it's her fault, right? And she picks up the bench. She goes, how are you, Pet? Out you come. And she takes Debbie away. And Neville says, um, and he says, listen, what time is? And just as he says that, they cut back to the village. And um, the lads are sending the ghost, the tramp, on their way. And he says, right, lads. And he says, right then. And Dennis says, right then. There's a bus stop. He says, you can get into town from there. And he bungs them 10 quid. Now, you know, 10 quid's quite a lot of money back then. You know what I mean? Yeah. Dennis has been fucking quite overly nice to him. And he says, thanks. He says, and thanks for the jumper and the jeans. He says, you've been smashing for you, lads. Big breakfast this morning. All the beers I've had, the telly and the videos. He goes, I've had a belting time. It's like he's been on holiday. And he says, you sh and he says, uh, and Dennis says, you sure you've got somewhere to stay tonight? And he says, oh, he says, I've got a string of homes up and down the country. I'm practically landed gently. He says, see you around, take care now. And Moxie says, ta mate. He says, cheerio. And Bomber, as they're walking off, he says, seems like a nice old bloke, really. And Wayne says, but you can't help feeling sorry for him, can you? And Oz says, ah, sorry, me arse. And this, I love this line. He goes, I bet he's as happy as a pig in shite. And Moxie, <laughs> says, Moxie says, he certainly smells like one. And they all have a bit of a laugh. <laughs> and, and Barry says, it's a bit sad though, isn't it? He says, what? He says, get to that age and have nowhere to live. He says, I don't think we do enough for old people in this country, actually. And he says, wait, well, no, he says, he says, he's got it cracked, hasn't he? Just him and the highway. And so Bomber tries, they get to the pub and Bomber tries to open the door and it's closed. And Bomber says, where, what time is it? And Wayne says, it's a minute past 12. And Oz 
punches the pub door. He's like, come on, Arthur, get the door open, man. We've only got one hour and 59 minutes drinking left. And he gives the door a kick again. And he says, daft when you think about it. He says, pubs open all hours when you're at graft and you get a day off and they keep shorter time. And Arthur opens the door. And, uh, and he's, he's, very, he's very, 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 very aggressive with him. And he says, and wipe your feet before you come in. <laughs> and so we cut back to Neville cooking the dinner. <clears throat> and he drops a bacon tray on the floor and he's burnt his hand. And Norma arrives at Nevin Brenda's. Now, if you actually hear this, uh, there's a bit of, I don't know what, whether it would be a bit of bad editing. I noticed that there were, there was a split second where Brenda and Norma were stood there like waiting for the action call. So they just stood there not moving. And then all of a sudden they moved. So whoever did the editing there sort of left yeah. the fraction too long. And then obviously yeah. Brenda takes Norma's coat and whatever. But they're sort of, they're stood there like that, not moving. And then they start moving. And it's like yeah. a fraction too long. They could have chopped that off and, and made it look a little bit more natural. It looked very, very unnatural the way it went. And, and Brenda says, well, nice to meet you. At long last, Norma, I've heard a lot about you. And Norma gives her some wine and she goes, thanks. And she says, oh, from Neville, you know. And Norma says, very nice of you to invite us round, pet. I've heard a lot about you from Dennis. And I mean, I've heard you've got your kitchen well organised. And obviously she's taking the piss because Neville's on the floor. And she goes, I can see that's true. And he goes, hello, Norma. He goes, how are you, pet? And she goes, I'm fine, thanks, Neville. And he goes, well, you'll not be after eating this lot. And Brenna says, stop being so apologetic, Neville. You're a good cook if you give yourself the chance. Sit down, Norma, pet. Now, what can I get you to drink? And Norma says, have you got any gin? And she says, oh. she says well, I'll go mad. I'll go mad and have a gin and tonic. And she goes, eee, this is a rare treat for me, Neville. Getting me Sunday dinner made for us. Never happens when our Dennis is at home. And Neville says, well, it's the least I could do after he lent us his van. He says, oh, he says, not that I wouldn't have invited you over yourself, mind. Um, and he says, and he sends his love, by the way. And um, and, he says, and, she, and, and, and she says, well, I don't suppose you live this well now that you lads have moved into the derelict house, eh? And he says, well, actually, Sunday dinner is a big occasion for us, usually. And she goes, aye. And he says, it's the one time of the week that we get to relax and really push the boat out, you know? So they cut back to the Barley Moor and Oz is complaining to Arthur and he says, it's a piss poor show this for a Sunday morning, isn't it? You've got nay cheese on the bar, nay crackers, and then he goes, nay tripe. I mean, I used to, you know, I used to go to the social club with my granddad on a Sunday where they used yeah. to the cheese and crackers on the bar. But yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a big, it was a big thing in the 80s. Uh... What? So many pubs around Camden. I mean, some would have chicken legs, uh, uh, seafood, all, all laid out, all free. Yeah, it just, it just stopped. It, it just stopped. What they, what, they used to put tripe out? No, not tripe. No, no, no. Now, there, there'd be seafood or yeah. bacon or, I say, sometimes, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, chicken legs. Yeah, um, depends on the pub. But but then they just stopped. I cheese and crackers on the bar. That was... Uh, so... Um, 
Anyway, and he says, nitrite note. And Pringle, he says, I like to treat my customers the way they treat me. And then this, ah. this is the, one of the best lines from Moxie. And he says, oh, he says, I'm not surprised there aren't, he goes, I'm surprised there aren't little bowls of rat poison on the bar in that place. That is miserable. And then obviously he, he pauses and he goes, miserable get. And um, yeah, that's a, I love that line. And, uh, and Bomber and Barry are reading the papers and Barry brings it up. And he says, he says, look, he says, yeah, look, this is interesting. Look, very interesting. And Oz says, hey, whatever it is, Barry, life's too short. He goes, no, listen. He goes, look, the Sunday people have been doing an investigation into the scandal of unregistered old people's homes. Apparently, they are springing up all over the place without anything bar the basic facilities. And they are cashing in on all of the social security benefits. And Dennis, obviously, you know, can see where this is going. He says, can we not just have a quiet pint there, Barry? And, he, and, Bob, and Barry says, well, I hope this is not going to apply to our place, mate. And Oz says, well, you better ask Dennis about that, hadn't you? Because he's the one that knows what Ali Fraser's up to. And Bomber says, some of the places condemned here have more facilities than Thornley Manor, by the sounds of it. And Wayne says, well, they couldn't have any less, could they? And Dennis again tries to quash. And he says, we haven't finished the job yet. And Oz says, no, no, but it's lo not looking too promising, the way things are going, is it? Eh? He says, I mean, is, is he going to finish, is, is he going to put a, a fire escape in because that's regulation? And what about central heating system? Eh? And Dennis just says, I don't know. And he says, don't know. He says, don't bloody care. More like I think. And he goes, look, Oz, because if I remember rightly, you weren't too wild about some of the quality that went into them flats were built in Germany, but that didn't stop you finishing the job. And he goes, ah, yes, yes, yes. He goes, but that was different, wasn't it, man? He goes, that was for Germans. This is yeah. for <laughs> that was for British people and old age British people and all. I mean, I wouldn't be able to get to sleep at night if I thought I was uh, creating slum conditions for some poor old grandma to live in. Supposed to have left all that behind in the 50s, weren't we? And, uh, and Wayne says, yeah, come on, then. Is this a cowboy job or not? So more references to cowboys he says, i mean there's pride involved in this ain't there and dennis just says look i've dealt with ali fraser i've dealt with fraser um since the start on this and as far as i'm concerned the job is above board your precious pride will not be abused and i says no nah, no nah, man he says it's okay man we've seen all the crap materials arriving on the job the last few days and we couldn't build a bloody garden shed out of most of that lot and Dennis is persistent. He says, the job's sound. And he says, I saw ye say. And he goes, I, I do say. And I'm the gaffer. And I says, Ali Fraser's the gaffer, man. And the way things are looking, and again, here we've got a classic line here. And he goes, the way things look, and all he's got to do is fart, and he'll cry out and have a crap. I mean, <laughs> that's just like fucking, that means absolutely nothing but it means absolutely everything. He goes, I, Ali's got a day as far, and you'll cry out and have a crap. And Dennis, like, you know, he, unfortunately, Dennis can't argue, you know, he's, and he sees that, uh, you know, there's a very, very valid point there. So he's looking pretty hurt, but, you know, he, he, like I say, he can't argue back. So they cut, they cut to Neville's. And, um, and Neville's apologised and he says, sorry about the Yorkshire puddings, folks. And Brenda says, don't worry, pet, I can't always get it to rise myself. 
And Norma <laughs> says, it tasted all right, Neville, just a bit flat. That's all. Maybe you should have called it Lincolnshire pudding. And they have a bit of a laugh. And, uh, and Brenda says, I'll make some coffee. And, uh, and Neville says, here you go. And he pours the rest of the wine out. And she's... Uh, and, uh, and she says, thank you. And she says, I'm really glad that you invited me round, Neville, because I wanted to have a word with you about our Dennis. And he goes, oh, what about Dennis? And she goes, well, do you really think there's anything bothering him at the moment? And he says, no, nah, no. Nah. He says, I don't think so. He says, well, he says, I suppose he's the gaffer. So some of the lads have got a bit of a problem, like. And she goes, I wasn't talking about work. And he goes, well, I don't think he would tell me if it was anything else, Norma. Quite honestly, what's up like? And Brenda says, is there something wrong? Now here, this is a classic line. She, like, so she's, she's like two seconds ago, she goes, I wanted to come round and have a word with you. And now she goes, well, I didn't really want to bring it up. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, you know, that's why you've come. That's clearly why you've come. And she goes, well, I didn't really want, that is a pro like, that's a proper nosy Geordie bird fucking thing. Well, I don't want to talk about it, but... And then just talking about exactly what she says she doesn't want to talk about it. She goes, well, I don't really, and she goes, and she goes, I don't really want to bring it up, bring it up. Um, but the thing is, I'm very worried about them. I bumped into this woman, Audie Charles, a couple of weeks ago. You might know her brother. No, Audrey Charles. And, um, <laughs> and she goes, Oh, I mouth of the time. That's again, that's a proper Geordie saying about a fucking someone who's someone who gossips. The mouth of the time. She goes, Oh, I mouth of the time. And uh, he said, and she says, well, she's heard that our Dennis owed Ali Fraser a load of money, and that's why he was working for him. And Brenda says, oh, pet, I'm sure it's not true. And she says, what do you think, Neville? Could it be true? Neville says, well, he's not said anything to me about it, but I suppose it's possible. And Norma says, every time I raise the issue with him, he just clams up. He'll not tell me anything. And Brenda says, mind you, I don't mean to be personal, Norma. But again, she goes, I don't mean to be personal, Norma, and then says something really personal. She goes, I must admit, I was a bit surprised when I found out Dennis was working for Ali Fraser. I mean, he's got something of a reputation of being a... And then the sentence trails off, and she goes, yeah, she goes, you don't need a bit about the bush, Brenda. We all know he's a crook. And I mean, how would you feel if one of your relatives was working for a crook? You would bound to be worried, <laughs> weren't you? And then she doesn't realise she's put her foot in it. She, and Nev says, well, I am working for him in a way. And Norma realises. And she goes, uh, look, I'm sorry to bring this up. Uh, probably a simple explanation. Talk about it some other time. And Neville says, well, look, if it's any help, Norma, I'll have a word with him when I get back tonight. She goes, would you, Neville? I would appreciate it. Thanks. And then the phone rings. So Brenda... Um, go, Brenda stands up to answer the phone and Norma makes a joke saying that's probably Interpol now and Brenda says hello she goes oh hello Ali uh huh and Neville like thinks yeah. it's obviously Ali Fraser and he's fucking got the rage he's like what's he doing ringing here and she goes Neville it's Ali he's squash partner he's an Egyptian doctor so this will be Ali spelled A-L-I not A-L-L-Y like Ali Fraser yeah. And Neville's a bit taken aback. He's like, Egyptian? So, Neville returns to Thornley Manor. So it's Sunday night, and he um, comes back in the house, and he says, all right, lads, 
And Bomber's like, all right, Neville, nice weekend. Says, I ain't got bad thanks here too much, of course. And Oz says, can it whack the wife's cooking it? And he says, I'll see it. And, um, and obviously, you know, he's not telling everyone that he was made to cook the Sunday dinner while she went out to work. And, um, and he says, is Dennis about? And he says, I, he's upstairs sulking in the office. And he says, sulk. And he says, I, well, had a gun at him this afternoon in the bar, you know, about this job and Ali Fraser and that. Didn't seem to take it at all. Well, like, and Neville says, anyone fancy a cup of tea? And he says, everybody, fine. So he goes up to the office and Dennis is sat there going over paperwork and, and, uh, and Neville brings him a cup and he says, hello. And he, and he says, hello, Nev. Did you have a good time? He says, I'm not bad. Nice dinner with your Norma today. He goes, oh, I, she's all right. And he goes, well, no, she's not all right. And he says, why? And he says, what's the matter? And he says, she's worried about you and Ali Fraser. And he goes, well, I'm hardly having an affair with Ali Fraser, if that's what she thinks. He says, no, but you're more than just an employee, aren't you? And he goes, what are you getting at, Nev? And he goes, you own him money. And Dennis straight, he goes, is that Audi Charles been jangling it again? <laughs> Look, there's nothing in it, Neville, man. And he goes, isn't there not? He goes, it would explain a lot of things, Dennis. And he goes, like what? He goes, you bodging this conversion for a start. It's not like you put up with shoddy work, then no, unless it's that's what Fraser wants from you. And he says, Neville, in case you hadn't noticed, the construction industry in this country is knackered. And we can't be too choosy about the work we do anymore. It might be the last we're going to get. Look, if I can keep my head above water and feed my kids by skimping on a conversion for Ali Fraser, I'm going to do that, man. So would you. And Neville's not taking the bullshit. He's just, Neville, Neville knows, he says, you must owe him an awful lot of money to talk like that, Dennis. And he goes, and he just straight up asks him, he goes, how much? And obviously Dennis has now realised he can't he can't lie anymore. Yeah, yeah. Just says £6,000 at the last count, and that's not including the interest, like. And Neville says, which no one Ali Fraser will be about 50%. He says, why then, for God's sake? And he says, you wouldn't understand, Neville, man. He says, look, you've got a happy marriage, and I've never had one. I mean, you know what it was like for me when I came back from Germany, what was Dagmar and... And he says, uh, and for a while I tried to make things better by throwing money around. I was wrong, wasn't I? But by the time I realised I was wrong, it was too late. And I'm in a hole now with Ali Fraser looking down on me. And he says, well, why didn't you tell us where you're mates? And he says, it doesn't concern you, Neville, not directly anyway. And he says, it does. If we're having to compromise ourselves as well, it does. And he says, Neville, man, it's just a piddling little four-week job. He says, if I bring it in on time into Fraser's meagre budget, I'm in the clear. And if I don't, well, so I might just end up in the time with a pocket full of bricks. So, mm. obviously, um, Dennis is under the cosh. Mm. The, the threat from Ali Fraser. So anyway, the next morning, Howard Radcliffe <laughs> And again, just being the prick that he is. He's like, morning, Dennis. And he goes, how do? And so he goes, there's been another slight change to the plan, the kitchens this time. And he says, don't tell me. They only have to be big enough to fit one microwave oven. He goes, close, close. He says, well, let's go and see how far your lads have got, shall we? So they walk out the back and they're all sitting doing now. He goes, ah, morning, fellas. It's a bit early for a tea break, isn't it? And he goes, uh, aye, how are you, lads? Shape up a bit. And Oz, 
puts it on him. He goes, if you took your, them, stu-, and he goes, if you took them stupid glasses off, hedgehog, <laughs> calls him a hedgehog. And he goes, you had a look around, you'd see there's knee teacups lying around. He goes, that's because it's not a tea break, it's a strike. And he goes, a strike? He goes, ah, and Bomber says, that's right, Sunbeam, a strike. And he goes, well, you'd better sort this out with your gaffer. He goes, no. And Neville says, no, you sort it out with yours. You tell Ali Fraser nothing gets done here till he upgrades this conversion and more importantly, takes the squeeze off Dennis. And Dennis says, look, Neville. And he goes, no, it's all right, Dennis. We're all determined about this. And, um, and Howard says, and he says, hey, now, what's going on here? And I says, look, you got the message, didn't you, hedgehog? Uh, now piss off and pass it on. To <laughs> yeah, I like that line. Brilliant. And he says, uh, right, he says, if that's the way you boys want it. And, um, and Dennis is like, sits down and he, you know, he's obviously, he's just thinking about what's going to happen now. You know, he's like, obviously, you know, the, he's trying to keep them plates spinning and they're basically just, you know, they're going to upset Ali. Yeah. And he goes, thanks a bunch. Thanks a bunch. And he sits down. And I says, Nev told Wall about it, you know, everything. He goes, so I gather. And Bomber just says, Dennis, it seemed like a choice between doing this job properly or being loyal to you. And he goes, so what happened? And he goes, well, I figured that we could do both. So they cut to Spain and Vicky is sitting. In the bikini. The bikini, a lovely bikini. In the famous Vicky bikini. Oh, oh she don't half look good. <laughs> um, so she's sitting there playing Monopoly with Ali. And Vicky says, right, I'll have Mayfair off you for 200. And you can see Ali Fraser's not happy. I mean, he's being beaten at, he's being beaten at Monopoly by some woman who's basically thick as pig shit, who the last time they were playing games was playing drafts with the chess pieces, you know what I mean? <laughs> and so the phone rings and, um, and, he, and, he, and he answers the phone. He goes, yes. He goes, oh, hello, Howard. He goes, yes, how are you? Problem? What do you mean, problem? He goes, right, just leave that with me. He goes, I'll send a few of my industrial relations consultants to <laughs> the bastards out. And he flips. He flips the Monopoly board off the table, absolutely raging. And Vicky says, yeah, you're turning into a real bad loser, you. So we cut back to this is one of the, one of the most well-loved and famous yeah. scenes Brilliant. Of, the entire, of the entire show. And so the lads are all sitting outside Thornley Manor and the, uh, Ali's jag pulls up um, with some, basically some goons, um, obviously being led by Big Baz. Big Baz. And, um, and obviously Harry, so Harry the plumber is there and doesn't take a backward step. Um, he, and he's singing away, do not forsake me, oh my darling, on this our wedding day. And he, and he stops singing and he, and he flicks his hat up and he sees the jag approaching. And he stands up and he says, I think the boys from the brown stuff have just arrived. <laughs> so obviously that's in relation to the famous... Boys of the black stuff. Yeah. Boys from the black stuff. And so he's made a play on words. And so Big Baz and the, and, and, and the other heavies get out and, they, and, uh, and all the lads um, stand up apart from Barry. Obviously Barry is, uh, you know, not a fighter. And he said, did I ever tell anyone I was a Quaker? <laughs> and Big Baz says, Big Baz says, we've come to persuade you back to work. Now, 
Big Baz has already been weighed in by us once. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so now Ali Fraser thinks he's going to send Big Baz down to put the frighteners on. Like, and but actually, the- when he said that line, he didn't. He didn't seem too convinced himself. He seemed a bit. Well, it wasn't too, it wasn't too menacing, was it? He, he sort of said it, but it didn't really like you know. I, I think he's. I think he knew what might be coming. <laughs> he didn't have the convictions that That's it. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. he usually may have done. And he says, hey, "We've come to persuade you back to work." And Oz just goes, "Well, you just failed." And Wayne says, "I don't suppose we can reason with them, eh?" And Bomber just says, "I think it's too late for that now." And Barry puts his glasses on like the like the big coward that he is. And um, and so Harry takes out a big monkey wrench, and he goes, and he goes, that's he goes, that's why the he goes, that's what I call a monkey wrench. Obviously, meaning that they're you know they're the big monkeys that he's about to be thrown at. And he goes, yeah, and he goes, and I know how to use it and all. And he fucking slings the monkey wrench, and it smashes the windscreen of the Jag, and they all rush together for the fight. And Barry starts screaming, don't hit me, don't hit me, I'm a bleeder. So Oz, crack, there's a big ginger one, Oz cracks him, Bomber grabs Big Baz in, in, a, in yeah. a half Nelson and starts throwing him away. And um, anyway, so Moxie um, jumps. <laughs> he has a great line. Yeah, this is a fantastic line. And so Moxie jumps on the back of one of the goons and he shouts, he says, has anybody got a match? He goes, I'll set fire to this bastard. <laughs> Anyways, but the goon actually turns around and gives Moxie a bit of a clip. And um, and then, um, and uh, and Harry is, um, and then he, even, even through, in the middle of the fight, Harry starts quoting a Merle Haggard song. He says, yeah, the fight inside of me, Oz. Remember that, it's one of Merle's best. And Oz takes a chair and smashes it over one of the fucking heavies' back and sparks him out. And Dennis is on another goon's back and he shouts to Neville, he goes, go on, hit him, hit him. And Neville starts weighing in and Neville's not backwards and coming forwards. And Barry faints like the big Jesse that he is. (laughs) And um, anyway, so Bomber, he says to Big Baz, he he says, if you fight dirty, I can get angry. So Bomber's not even angry yet. And he grabs Big Baz by the beard. Yeah, gives him, it. gives him a good crack. And um, anyway, so Barry sort of, you know, gets up and starts running off. And he's being chased by one of the goons. And Oz sees this happening. And he runs and he jump, and he runs over the top of the jag. And he jumps and he takes, the guy, takes them down. And uh, all three hit the floor. And Oz reaches up and he grabs the kid, he grabs the geezer and he cracks him and knocks him out. And um, and he's just, and Oz is just about to put the boot in and he stops and he sees Barry and he goes, do you want to? He goes, go on. <laughs> and like Barry feebly, feebly taps, um, feebly taps the goo. So he's dipping his toe in some water. Yeah, <laughs> he kicks him very gently and he goes, there. And that's it. The episode is over. So, yeah, what a fantastic way to finish off the episode with the big fight scene. And like I say, we see Oz and Bummer really getting stuck in. And even the other lads, they all jump in and and it's all good. So, yeah, real fantastic scene to finish off with. And so 
the credits roll and the uh, Ali Fraser and Arthur Pringle get a credit. Harry uh, Blackburn and Kenny Ames get a credit. Brenda, Norma and Vicky get a credit. Howard Radcliffe, The Ghost and Big Baz. The Girl, The Builder's Merchant and Debbie Ho. And then finally, The Country and Western Band. So, what and like I say, one of the um, most loved episodes from... Uh, yeah, 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 very that, good. Um, like I say, particularly finishing off, there's some cracking one-liners in there. Uh, and... And finishing off with the big fight scene. So, absolutely loved it. And obviously, you know, they're teeing things up for the next episode. So, they've, they, you know, they're, 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 I mean, to be honest, you know, Ali Fraser so far, right, for being, having the reputation of being the big scary gangster, he's a bit yeah. shit, right? So, Big yeah. Baz has been, his goon, Big Baz, has been chinned twice. <laughs> once by Oz and once by Bomber, yeah. His other goons got weighed in by Dennis and Neville and Moxie and Wayne, you know what I mean? And um, and he's now getting, he's about to have the squeeze put on him by a group of builders to convince him to spend more. Well, all Ali seems to do, I mean, he's, he's only he's only a little guy, and he? I mean, he has he has people doing stuff for him, doesn't he? Exactly. But, but not, not very well. <laughs> exactly. So, yes, his reputation has been the big scary gangster certainly isn't all that so if any of our fantastic listeners or watchers would like to comment about anything that we spoke about on today's episode or anything else at all or like i say feel free just to throw some abuse at us we can be contacted by email on of again at gmail.com please follow us on instagram at outvidazian again podcast Please follow us on Twitter at Alf again. Please like and share the Facebook page of Feeders In Again podcast. And please do subscribe to our YouTube channel of Feeders In Again podcast. And remember, click that bell to alert you to any new episodes. But if mine and George's uh, visual presence is disturbing to you, Please do listen on audio only on all good podcast platforms, Spotify, iTunes, and uh, Google Podcast Breaker, and many, many more. Um, new episodes are released every Friday at 10 a.m. And our music is composed and performed by Lee Dusky. So please, please, please do like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Remember, our sponsor is Top Gun Tattooing, number 12, the Harris Arcade in Reading. That's topguntattoo.co.uk, audible 189-968-667. Remember, you get 20% off with Zach by quoting Halloween Shipeman, our code. And every one of our watchers and listeners is entitled to the free Neville and Lockie tattoo. So if you want a free tattoo, just contact us by email. And remember, our giveaway competition is live on the um, on the social medias. So remember, if you want to win this original signed picture copy, you can do so by going onto social media, following us, liking the post, tagging three of your friends, and sharing that post. So uh, we hope that you all enjoyed that episode, but more importantly, for this week, we also hope that you enjoyed our interview with our writer Stan here. And next week, we will be halfway through the 40 episodes. So if you have enjoyed 
what we've done so far, please do tell your friends. If you haven't enjoyed it, tough shit. It's absolutely free. And we're not doing it for you. We're doing it to entertain us. No, we are. Um, but like I say, please, please, please do spread the word and tell your friends about the podcast. But until then, George, well, until tomorrow for us. Tomorrow. Until next week for the rest of our loyal listeners. Until then. Auf Wiedersehen, Pet. Pet. Oh, yeah, man, man, man. All out of options, nothing to choose. Fizzed out on Netflix, I'm sick of the news. I'd sign up to Sky.